you lot. Get into the garage, Hammer. The part two. We're going to talk about the ogres going to war. Big, disgusting, fat, gross, slimy, gut-plated, never-stop-eating monstrosities. Shut it! I'm listening to me show. We're back, folks. Not even the regular intro, because why? Because you heard it on the last half of the episode. We are back. It's me. It's Alex. Sort of. And Braska. Hey, guys. Hey. Oh, we're back to talk about the interesting part of this book to most of you, the rules. Oh, thanks for coming back, both of you. Hey, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah. Uh, didn't know if you could stomach it after the last episode, but... The last half, but... Dude, I did that joke already. Move I know on. you did. I just finished editing it. That's why I jumped right back. It's a continuity thing. I'm trying to roll it from the back of one to the beginning of the other. Come on, I work with me here. Doing. I see what he's doing. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you. it. Thanks for bringing us back, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, for the love of Pete. All right, Allegiance Abilities. Let's just jump right in. Sure. All right, um... They've got a lot, and these are great. I mean, talk about a way to take some of the old rules and just give them. It seems like they just gave them that little oomph they needed to put them, you know, uh, up with like back into it, right? Especially with objective play, because before this book, one model is just one model, regardless of how many wounds it had or how big it was. Yeah, I got I got a little. Confused when it, once it hit the designer's note, I'm like, oh wait, what? But I don't play enough to to know it, and so I just I would just take my opponent's word for it anyway. But so let's look at some of these real quick. Let's roll through these trampling charge. Um, great rule. This is a great rule. Before, if you if you rolled a ten or more, you got impact, extra impact hits. Yeah. And now this is great. If you make a charge, pick one enemy within an inch of the unit. And roll dice equal to the unmodified charge roll for that charge move, which means even if you, I mean, you don't. There's no, there's no baseline to get it. It's just whatever your roll is. That's how many dice you get. Yeah. Uh, plus two if the charge, ha- uh, the unit has eight or more models, or is a monster, and then for every six up they take a mortal wound. Yeah. Unbelievably great rule, uh, especially since Iron Guts come in groups of four now. So if you double up on a set of Iron Guts, you're doing mortal wounds on a two on a four plus, which is just awesome. Yeah, uh, it's it's just freebie. I mean, even even just the six up. I mean, you, you can just snake off a couple of, you know, you roll an eleven for a charge on a you know five inch charge or whatever. Uh, you know, suddenly you're snaking in all these freebie wounds. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Or your monsters suddenly have a lot more punch, even like not just like because there's always the stone horn that people talk about for combat. But the uh, Thunder Tusk now actually has a decent combat punch now that it comes in doing mortal wounds. Yeah. And there's no minimum size for it either. Not for the monsters or any unit. It just has to be an ogre or a rhinox. So yeah, there are a couple so of things like- in here that don't get it. Like a single tyrant can charge across the table and get impact hits. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, and and the the best part is if it's a if it's a long charge. Oh, look, I rolled an unmodified ten. I'm getting ten impact hits. Yep. Roll for one dude. No, this is, you know, it's it's it's. 
I think the theme that we're going to see in this is this is a good book. It's not overpowered. It's not like you're going to see the. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not turning into what everyone was saying about Slanesh or you know some of these other things that you're seeing where people are complaining. It's just enough to get it where it's competitive. And it's just building on the old rules. It's tweaking them to where it's like, oh, no, this is a good idea. I love it. Uh, Grasp of Everwinter. Roll a die for each enemy unit within three inches of any Beast Claw Raiders unit. If it's equal or less than the number of the current battle round, the unit takes D3 mortal wounds. So literally the storm is getting closer. It gets easier and easier to give them mortal wounds because it's getting colder and colder as the game progresses. Yeah, that's actually pretty cool, too. And theme Yeah. Yeah. All of this stuff plays to the lore, which is really cool. Um, Alex, can you take Might Makes Right and then explain it? <laughs> um, the other thing we should probably explain with the Grasp of the Everwinter um, is that it just applies to Beast Claw Raiders units, regardless of, like, if your general's a Beast Claw Raider. So if you're playing predominantly Gutbusters and you take Saber Tusks, Saber, or, uh, Frost Sabers, they still get this rule because they have the Beast Clock Raiders keyword. Right. So all this mixes together. So Might makes right. Um, when determining control of an objective, each keyword Ogor counts as two models instead of one, and each keyword Ogor monster counts as ten models instead of one. And then it has a design, and I'll just read this verbatim. If the battle plan being played does not follow the normal rules for controlling objectives, the might makes right battle trait cannot be used. However, if an ogre mod tribes model is eligible to count as multiple models during a battle, the mod tribes player can pick whether to use this battle trait or to follow the battle plan. The example given is relocation orb, where an ogre monster hero that has an artifact of power could count as either 10 or 20 models instead of one. Okay, first of all, how does it count as 20 instead of 10? I think that's, that's the one where it's got a magic item too, isn't that it? Oh, that is. okay. If the character has a magic item, they count as uh, 20 models for purposes of controlling the orb. So this prevents you from being penalized in oh, that scenario. Oh, okay. So you can count as the 10 that the book gives you or the 20 that the... I thought for some reason that they were getting it doubled, the double 10. I'm like, what? But I forgot about that relocation orb rule. Okay, that's me. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. You know, it's funny that they noticed that too, because that is such a focus on like the max, the uh, matched play approach to Age of Sigmar. Whereas, like years ago, they would have written a rule like that, and it's just well, that's just what it is, and you'd find that kind of mission and be screwed. So it's it is really cool that like they're kind of finding those issues because at high level matched play, that's a thing. Competitive players are very aware of what these missions are, what they mean to their armies. And guaranteed, that would have been FAQs thundering all over the posts on the Facebook page 20 minutes after this book dropped is, hey, what about relocation orb? Yep. So it's cool that they're sort of designing to that now. Yep. Yeah, and there are a lot of narrative battle plans that also have a lot to do with artifacts as well. So it worked realistically. It's just trying to make sure it got its continuity across all avenues of play. Cool. It's supposed to be a bonus, not a penalty. So if it turns into a penalty, ignore it. Works for me. Yeah. Um, I love this next rule. Ravenous Brutes. If you're more than three inches from an enemy, you're hungry. If you're within three, you're eating. Uh, 
you get if you're hungry, you get plus two move because you need to get to the food. If you're feeding, you get plus two bravery because nothing's going to make you run while you're eating. It's it's yeah. themey. It's clever. It's needed. I mean, ogres have to get into combat. If they're not fighting, they're garbage. And uh, their leadership has never been strong. That's always been a weak spot for ogres. So something like this is just hugely helpful. And I've really noticed it in the uh, handful of games that I've played so far with this new book. Is Especially the eating thing. Having your leadership suddenly spike up by two is huge. Especially since they have a hard time getting that uh, strength in numbers where it's the every time you have a 10 you get an extra bump to your bravery during the battle shock phase yeah so oh they don't get that that's right because because that doesn't even count uh that might makes right that's just determining objective control yeah, yeah. so Interesting. it gives them that extra bit of staying power beyond their high wounds value because that's yeah. really all they're going on is just wounds value but if you lose battle shock by like one or two and you roll badly, you're still going to lose a few guys, and that's not good. Right. I mean, this entire army, and if you don't count the Noblars, it's basically six to eight on their bravery, with the exception of the guys on the Thunder Tusks. Or, the, I mean, the Frost Lords. Frost Lords are nine. Everything else's leaders are eight. Everything else is seven to six. That plus two is huge. Yeah, it's like ogres are weirdly cowardly. Yeah, that is kind of strange, isn't it? I always assumed yeah. more that instead of running away, like they're so they were so busy involved in like eating and and getting stuck in that they lost focus and got stabbed. Makes a little, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sure. Makes yeah, a little yeah, more yeah, sense sure. than running away. Sure, we'll call it that. <laughs> <laughs> I call it losing, but we, we'll call it that. I'm trying to tie it into the to the lore here. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Um. Everwinter Prayers. Who wants to take this one? Uh, let me see. Um, Everwinter Prayers. Sorry, I don't have my book open yet. No, Alex, you feel this one. I'll feel the next one. Sure. So uh, the Beast Claw Reader's Priest sets the Huskard Tours. Um, they get to know a Everwinter Prayer in addition to any other prayers that they know. Um, in your hero phase, each Raiders priest that knows any prayers can chant one prayer. It's just period. So it's whatever they have on their war scroll, and then whatever one they select, they can only do one prayer. Um, and then you just roll to equal or beat it. And each prayer can only be cast regardless of how many priests know it. So it's pretty straightforward, but it's putting a hard limit on how many prayers you can do with your characters. Cause each one can only do one, not one in addition to the one on their war scroll, but I don't even think they have one on their war scroll. Uh, uh yeah, no, they, yeah, was, they do. Yeah. The husk card on thunder tusk has blizzard speaker and it says they can either, either, they can chant one of these two prayers, uh, the winter endurance or the winter strength, which is like ah. healing wounds or adding to wound yeah. rolls. Yeah. That's, nope. No, I remember yeah, I think so. That's, it's kind of like with uh, with butchers getting a spell, and then they still get to pick from the the lore the uh, lore of the moss spells. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And then last is maw tribes. Well, you get to pick a maw tribe, which are for the most part pretty awesome. Uh, currently, there are six different ones to choose from. 
Um, and you don't have to, but uh, in my opinion, if you're not taking a Ma Tribe, you're just missing out on some awesome benefits and a lot of case, awesome artifacts and uh, uh, command traits at your disposal. So these are all pretty good. Is what you uh, uh, would you are you would you both agree with that? Like these six, because I know all six are perfectly viable. Yeah, cool. Yeah, they're all good if you've got the toys. All right, because I know like with the Stormcast, like a couple of them I looked at, it's like that would be really fun, but I don't want to get stuck with that artifact, or I don't want to get stuck with this thing. So if they're pretty good, that's good to know. Yeah, I mean, they're stars. I wouldn't say they're all equal, but it, it, again, it sort of depends on what you've got. I don't know if I would go ahead and like build around any of these specifically um but you know i've when, when we get to it we'll talk about the ones i feel like that, that stand out i've got i've got opinions you got feelings <laughs> i got feelings buddy i got feelings on it good to know all right um let's quick jump to command traits then now i know chris you're going to have your own opinions too what how we generally do this is i just tell Alex, or now Alex and you, the ones that I think might be cool, and then yeah. and then you guys correct me. Sure. Unless I'm right, and if I'm right, I don't win anything other than I get I get to go hey hey. So, uh, cool. traits of the tyrant. I picked one and four, and we're on page seventy two. In case anyone's curious, right. um, I like the furious guzzler. If you're eating, you can heal D three wounds at the start of your hero phase. Yes, I also. Like Furious Guzzler, so give your hey 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 hey. Uh, and the only other one I picked was Mighty Bellower. Um, if an enemy fails a Battle Shock test within six inches of the general, add D three to the number of models that flee. Um, that that could be a lot, especially if you're playing some of these elite armies. That I thought that could be pretty cool. I know a lot of people get immunity to Battle Shock; it doesn't always work. So sometimes when I see something that can add in like that, works for me. Yeah, uh, I will agree with you on Furious Guzzler. Uh, one of the key things that you're going to find in the Ma Tribes book is there's like a heavy reliance on regeneration. With all these multi-wood models, there's multiple different ways for you to like heal back wounds on your dudes. So with something as scary as a tyrant, being able to get back uh, wounds every hero phase, the fact that it's not just a one-shot is huge. Because he's only got eight wounds. There's a lot of stuff that can murder that quickly, so for a single model that doesn't have a chart that degenerates over time, so even at one wound, he still crushes ass, it's worth – that one, in my opinion, is worth taking. Okay. The issue I have with Mighty Billower is you're right. It's really circumstantial, so I don't like leaning on traits that are circumstantial. Like it's only really good if I'm fighting other ogre models where if they lose an extra D3 models, it's devastating. But if I'm fighting like a skeleton horde, who cares? Three models out of 40 skeletons, it's irrelevant. True. You know what I mean? True. Um, the other one that I liked, I liked Killer Reputation. Being able this to is the standout. Pardon? This is the standout for me. Yeah, Killer Reputation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like being able to tool up your tyrant with big names is pretty awesome. So to me... Those are the two that I like: is Furious Gazer and Killer. Where are the big names in here? That's what they're I on the missed. War Scroll for the. It's tyrant. on the War Scroll. Oh, okay, that's yeah. why I hadn't gotten all of those yet. So that's why I was like, that's why I must have passed that one. Um, I, I also I thought Crushing Bulk was interesting. 
um, because it turns your tyrant into a monster for the charge. So because otherwise he only does uh, mortals on the charge on sixes, but this allows him to count on fours. Yeah, which can be awesome. Yeah, I mean, it, well, they're, I know they're circumstantial, but I just thought it was at least worth a mention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like the big names for uh, that you can choose from, you got Death Cheater, so that gives you nine wounds instead of eight. Uh, Brawler Guts, you add uh, one to wound rolls for attacks made by the model if you charged, which in most cases, if you're using your tyrant right, is always. Right. Uh, Fate Seeker makes him save on a three instead of a four. Long Strider gives him a base move of eight. So when he's hungry, he's moving 10 inches a turn, which is awesome. Uh, Giant Breaker, add one to the damage inflicted by model weapons if they're hitting a monster. Eh, that one I don't care so much about. Um, and Wall Crusher, you can reroll uh, one wound for one attack made with a melee weapon each time this model attacks. In addition, you can reroll wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons by this model that target a unit as part of a garrison. I don't really care about that one either, but the first four are pretty great. Yeah, the, the giant breaker is dependent on your meta, though. If you're dealing with a lot of like monster characters, yeah, then, that's, I guess if you're fighting lots of demon demon lists, that makes sense. Sure, and it also depends on the weapons that you give to the tyrant. If you give him one, where like you up the damage on his thunder mace or the or the glaive or whatever. That's true because there's the trait that increases the damage on his Thunder Mace. So then you could be doing, if you combine that with Giant Breaker, then you're doing damage five against like greater demons and monsters and stuff. And I thought I saw one. Oh, yeah. His uh, Beast Skewer Glaive. Yeah. The, the Rend can become three. Yeah, that one's okay. Yeah. I just, well, I just thought adding to that's, you know, that it's not mm-hmm. that, you know. Oh sure, yeah. Like if you're if you're tooling him up to destroy monsters, so sure. I mean, you've got the option there to like make an absolute monster shredding tyrant, you know, right? Or you could just make him survivable. You could go give him nine wounds with death, death cheater, and then give him fate seeker, so he saves on a three. Like there's lots lots of options. So that one that one is pretty cool. I see. I see. Um. All right. So let's move on to butcher traits. Um, I have opinions. All right, Dave, what do you got? All right. <laughs> I picked uh, Gastromancer, number four, because knowing all the spells is always a good thing. Okay. Uh, and I liked, um, I also liked Spell Eater. Anytime you dispel an endless spell, you heal basically all wounds. And uh, if you have no wounds, you get an extra one so you bump your total wounds characteristic and if you dispel the and you dispel the endless spell it doesn't count against your casting because you get that additional spell in in your in your face so it doesn't count against it so all right so um should do you want to tell him he's wrong or should i (laughs) (laughs) he's not that wrong um okay here's my problem i'm content to be wrong Okay, here's my t- here's my issue with Gastromancer. It's because two out of or three out of the four spells in that deck, as far as I'm concerned, are fairly uh, useless. Ah. Again, they're, they're very meta dependent. Whereas three of the spells are super universal and they're always going to be handy. And with the access to to realm spells, he's already got a ton of magic to choose from. Oh. So your your butchers and slaughtermasters are already super toolboxy. Regardless of what 
uh, realm you're in, there's always going to be lots of spells for them to cast. So I don't, I don't need Gastrom. It's not bad. I just don't. You need don't it. really. And depending on the tribe you take, you might have two of those spells anyways. Because if you're running Blood Gullet, you get two spells from the lore. Mm-hmm. And you, but you if know. you're running Blood Gullet, you wouldn't get this as an option, though. Yeah. Oh, okay. And Spell Eater. Spell Eater's pretty good. I mean, there are more and more Endless Spells getting cast. Because initially when I looked at it, I was like, eh, it's only Endless Spells. Whatever. Nobody uses those. But then again, uh, my buddy, one of my main buddies plays Caradron Overlord, so he's never going to throw a spell out. Yeah, yeah he will. But my last three games he I does. played, my opponents had at least three Endless Spells, like, each in their list, and we're right. tossing them all the time, so... Right, which is why I was saying I was wrong. So that Ooh. that one can be viable, but personally, I like questionable hygiene. Uh, I it just makes, like the name. <laughs> yeah, A, the name rules, and B, it just protects your ogres a little bit more. Like anything that's a passive protection to keep those guys alive so they can keep smashing is really important to me. And uh, I like rolls of fat for the same reason. Two extra wounds on your butcher just keeps them alive. Yeah. Or your Slaughtermaster, even more importantly, because the Slaughtermaster plays an even bigger role in buffing the surrounding uh, ogres. Oh, what, uh, what do you like, Alex? I like Growling Stomach. Minus two to the bravery of enemy units that are within 12 of the general, and he's hungry. Yeah, 12's a big bubble. I mean, that one's not bad either. It's and true. None, so, of this, none of this is holy, I'm noticing, which I did kind of yes. like. Except for Herald of the Gulping God. Um, and a lot of this is affecting enemy units. And the general circumstance for enemy units is they don't have to be wholly within the range, but friendly does. Okay. Yeah. Makes so, sense. The big thing with the growling stomach, though, is because you're hungry, you're moving faster. And generally, the slaughtermasters and butchers, you don't want them in combat anyway. But if they're just behind the line... Mm-hmm. You plow through with the rest of your dudes. Yeah, you don't sense. want them touching anybody, but you want them around them, around combat. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, now we got uh, Frost Lords and Huskards. Oh, boy. Um, I went with three and four. On this, I liked two aura and master of Mornfangs. Yes, I like the frostfell aura. If you're within three inches of the general, you cannot retreat. So when this guy charges in and starts smashing, and you're like, "Oh no, I got to back off," not happening. I kind of liked that idea. Um, yeah, and there's there's like a lot, there's a lot of night haunt stuff that could do hit and run things like that, and mm-hmm. you can lock down. So that's kind of cool. And the master of the Mornfang, I mean. Okay, friendly Morn Fang Pack, don't take Battle Shock. Holy with it. It's so big. 18 inches. 18's huge. Yeah. And I mean, that the base is three or four inches. It's a three foot circle. Plus, yeah. around, you know, more than that. Around. Yeah, him. and if you're running like full on Beast Claw, you're going to have lots of Morn Fang Packs. And there's you know, so few models. You can't afford to lose. Yeah, you yeah. can't afford to lose even one model to Battle Shock because those units are small. So I thought that was like, I'm not one who generally goes for a lot of the, you know, no battle shock test ones. I mean, that's, that's a great thing, but, uh, it's, there's so many other cool things, but 18 inches. I'm like, okay, who can say no to 18 inches? 
That's what I'm saying. See, in my opinion, with like Battleshock with ogres, is like if I'm failing Battleshock tests, I'm already in trouble. You know, like if I'm even in a position to be rolling for one, I got real problems because that means I'm not eating, so I'm outside of three. So I'm probably just getting shot at. And if I've lost enough guys to a shooting round to trigger a Battleshock test, at that point, I, I'm, I'm in trouble. You know what I mean? If I've lost two models out of a three-man unit, losing that last one is not really worth spending, like, That's true. Mornfang are six bravery. So you could yeah, lose a model if you, if you lose one. So, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, so generally, I kind of ignore a lot of the Battleshock stuff unless I'm building a list with big blocks of things. So if I'm running, like, uh, 12-man Iron Gut blocks or, like, 12-man uh, Glutton blocks, yeah, okay, maybe I'll look into it because I need that to be a little bit more survivable. But currently, the biggest packs of stuff I run is six or eight, you know. Right, so if you're losing I, that many... At that point, you're already out of luck. I see. Yeah, because yeah, I try not to put myself in a position where I'm just going to like get into a combat where I lose stuff. I pick fights that I win. You know? Okay. Like I try. Yeah, anyway, well, like, like anybody at Age of Sigmar would say, but that's generally you know, what I try <laughs> to do. I've got so few models. There's only so many choices to make, and you're fast. In most cases, you're in a position to pick the fights you want to pick. You know? Anyways. Um, so, what did you guys like for uh, Trade to the Beast Claw? Uh, I liked Nomadic Raider and Hold Rider. So, for the Nomadic Raiders, you get to reroll wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons by the general, including their mount, while the general's wholly within enemy territory. Frost Sword on a Stonehorn. Oh, you'll yeah, be get there. Yeah, that is. I, I didn't notice. I, I didn't notice the including the mount. Yeah, because normally the traits don't affect the mount, but this one does. And since there are now mount traits for Beast Claw, uh, this is a big one for me. And then the other one, Skilled Rider, is half the number of wounds suffered by this general when determining which row to use on its damage chart. Yeah, I picked that one too. That's awesome. Again, Frost Lord on a Stonehorn. But the, even with the uh, Frost Lord on Thunder Tusk, you're not going to be. Uh, having as much damage just so your snowball doesn't get hurt that much. But the big thing is just the Stonehorns are already hard enough to put in the ground, and now you're going to make them deadlier for longer. Yeah, because uh, I'm just looking at the That's chart now. Deep. Wounds suffered, uh, there's, you know, there's five levels. Six to eight wounds is that third level. And yep. that and uh, you can take six wounds and still be on the zero to three level, which is no penalties. Yeah. So you don't take any penalties till you've lost literally half. You have to lose... Just over half your wounds because you had to lose seven out of thirteen for it to yeah, count it as anything. To, that is really good. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, and when that mount is dropping like three or uh, two and three damage attacks, like you want every dice you can roll at that for sure. Yeah, I picked Skilled Rider and I picked Touched by Everwinter just because I like the idea of having extra priest spells or turning a guy into a priest, so you've just got more kind of. Buffing abilities and versatility. Nice. That's fair. Yeah. And it's kind of themey for me. Like every now and then I'm like, oh, let's just do something weird. So I kind of like the idea of like a bunch of beast claw husk guards and, and lords with priest abilities, you know. 
It works. Yeah, that, that, that's the only way I can defend that one. I just think it's cool. <laughs> hey, hey, that's that's how I defend all of mine. So that's, yeah. that's why I'm wrong half the time, but that's why I have Alex, because he knows, and he's like, no, Dave. I mean, I swear you should have seen the discussions going over our, my Wapaka list. Why are you taking this? Let me fix this list for you. So, yeah. all right. Uh, traits of the Hunter for the Ice Brow Hunters only. Um, I liked uh, Frostmaw, number four, and Skull Packmaster, number six. I liked Raised by Yetis. Because for some reason, as soon as I saw it, you could take traits for hunters, which makes me think I could run, you know, a hunter as my warlord doing like a dual hunter list with tons of Yeti and tons of uh, cats. I don't know how effective it would be, but it just seems cool. So basically that mindset was anything that would buff yetis. Yeah. And that's what I did with the sabers. Uh, you can have the sabers joining in the ambush stuff. Uh, that, that's was the same thing. I was like, Oh, lots of little, lots of little monsters to come with you. Yeah. The yetis is a big one because of how many attacks that cracks them up to. Um, yeah. I also liked eye of the blizzard. Just a flat minus one to hit him. Um, there's a number of artifacts that give you an additional minus one to hit, so you can have this guy be minus two to hit. Which is yeah, you could you could put him from Gyran and give him what is it the feather torque, so he's another minus one to hit, and then he's plus one to move. Uh, the Gur, the Gur feather charm. Is it Gur? Yeah, that's right. It's Gur. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so he could be minus two to hit, and he's plus one to move. That would be dope. Yeah. I mean, granted, I don't know if I would take a hunter as my general unless I'm doing something thematic or small points. Well, and that's all this would be. Honestly, I can't see how you'd be competitive running a hunter as uh, I mean, who knows? I'll say that and all of a sudden five guys run a list that's like bananas and no one's thought of it. But um, this to me just reeks of funzy, cool. Maybe this is more for that... uh, the hell is that stuff they put in every book? The path to glory stuff. Yeah, the uh, stuff we skip over every review. Yeah. James Workshop. Seriously, I, no one's playing that. Stop putting it in the books. <laughs> my, my, my beef with it isn't even that it's in the book. It's that you start the rules, and then you stop and put in the the path to glory rules, and then you go back yeah. to the. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Can you just keep them separate from the match play stuff at least, so that way. Yeah. I'm not jumping around it because I'm jumping stick, around stick it. Stick it in the back of the book, guys. Come on. Nobody yep. cares. Yup, yup. All right. And look All at right, us. I think we're on artifacts, Yeah, we're right? chugging away here. Let's, uh, yeah, let's do the artifacts. Uh, we'll, we'll take a break after the artifacts, and then we'll go to sure. the rest of this. Oh, you know, we can probably get through all this. All right. Artifacts of power. Um, I chose a couple Tyrant's of Tyrant's plunder. Oh, I love it. Yes, yes. Um, I liked Grawl's gut plate. Um, doubling the move when they're hungry to four inches. I liked the trophy rack plus and the hit rolls for friendly gut busters wholly within twelve inches if they target a monster or hero. I know that's I know that's completely situational, but it's a it's a decent sized bubble. And plus when it hits always good. And then I liked that uh giving their beast skewer glaive rend three instead of rend one, because rend three is just brutal against just about anything. Yeah, and it's got that benefit of, like, if you hit on a 6 with it, it does D6, D6. wounds instead. Like, yep. it's, it can be pretty sick, for sure. 
Yep. So those are the ones I liked. What did you have, Alex? Um, I had those and the Head Smasher, just to increase his primary weapon damage by one. And then yep. you can bump that to a further one, depending on the trade. So. I had Head Smasher, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Head Smasher, all in. Although, Gutplate's pretty good, because that does give you the ability to sort of, like, pick what set of ogres you want to roll with. Because a lot of times now, because, you know, characters are by themselves, they're not connected to units anymore. If he has, like, a crappy run roll or something, it might be tough for him to keep up with some of his units, or it, it's easy to get out of position. So that extra uh, two inches can make a bit of a, a bit of a difference when it comes to positioning him where you want him, you know? Yeah. For such a gross model, you definitely want him in the right spot. Yeah. You know? um, cool. Okay, so Butcher's Vittles. I got opinions. Um, I... Uh... I I, I kind of like all of these except five. Like they all seem pretty good. Now I might be dumb. Yes, but okay. Well, there we go. No, they're all good. They're all perfectly viable. It yeah. just depends on your list. Yeah. So, yeah. so why don't you guys roll through the ones you like? Because, like I said, I kind of like. I looked at this and said, other than adding adding to charge with the monsters within nine inches, I'm like. You know, that one seems kind of... All these other ones seem pretty cool. So what do you guys like? I like the Wizard Flesh Apron. That's aces right there. Yep. Yep. Getting an additional spell is dope. And I like the Rotting Dankhold Spores. Because that is a real gotcha situation. Like, it's sort of protection for your Slaughtermaster or Butcher. Um, it starts at the beginning of the round. So just when... People think, all right, you know, all right, your turn, just warming up. Bam, you hit him with every dice, gets you on a four plus, gets you mortal wounds on a big unit. Like, it's pretty sweet. Now, ogres have enough tools to deal with large scale units, but it's just kind of a, it's kind of a sneaky little move. I like it. Yeah. Um, I like the blood rock too. Adding two to casting and to spell is huge because yeah. ogres need all the help they can get. I mean, Especially if you have the spell eater trait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just for endless spells, but still. No, no, it's not. It says add two to the roll when they attempt to unbind or dispel an endless spell. Okay, so unbind is when you're stopping a regular spell. Dispel is... Dispel is after it's already on the table. I thought unbinding... Yeah. So I thought... No, unbind is to prevent it from getting on the table for any spell. And then dispel is taking off an endless spell once it's on the table. Oh, because you can't dispel regular spells. Oh, see, I, I, okay, I misread this. I thought it was unbinding or dispelling an endless spell, meaning whether you're trying to stop it when it comes or you could try to stop it later, it's plus two. I misread that. I literally thought it was just unbinding endless spells or dispelling endless spells. Yeah, it's sort of like how you read it. Yeah. If you read, like, add two to the roll when the bear attempts to unbind... Or dispel an endless spell. Should have a comma before the or. Yep. That's all I'm saying. I'm not, and I'm not trying to be a rules as written, rules as intended. One of these types of uh, hosers. But hey, dog. That's the world we live in. That is, you know. But I, like I said, I just to me, I misunderstood that. Um, I thought it was just for endless spells, but that makes it even better. Yeah. 
Yeah, and like Alex pointed out, there's lots of stuff in this book where if you sort of read through it a couple times, you'll find those little combos, mm-hmm. which is sweet. It's not like it's just a bunch of weird, disparate crap floating around and nothing really clicks together. Like, you can make a really solid casty ogre list or a solid magic defensive list. Mm-hmm. You know, it's pretty sweet. Now, I also like the shrunken head. I always like a five-up absolute save. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was pretty solid. Again, protecting your your investment, so mm-hmm. I'm not mad at that one either. And then refilling the maw pot seemed like a good deal. Like it's only once per battle. Here's my opinion on that. So, in the few games that I've played, people come after my maw pot. Like I do this gross little bit where I'll sit my like I'll find if any side part on the side of my table that has an arcane piece of terrain. I'll drop the maw pot three inches away, and I'll park my butcher right between the two, so he's within an inch of both. So he's guessing plus two to cast every turn. Ooh. And turn one, he pops off the. He tries to pop off the uh, vortex. So he sits up on the vortex. Now he has access to three spells because I run in his blood gullet. So he sits on that thing and just throws out three spells a turn. So having stuff come at him to get murdered and get tossed in the pot isn't hard to do oh okay. so i've usually got a unit or two of ogres like running defense for him so as soon as i take a few wounds i'll pop the pot and heal everybody knowing he's gonna throw something at him to get rid of the butcher because the butcher is sitting there handing out buffs and debuffs 24 inches away every single turn with three spells to cast nice so, so and give him the wizard flesh apron then he's thrown out four a turn so with all the ogre spells he has at his disposal and realm spells, he can really affect the battlefield. So people are going to come at him, and usually they don't throw something too, too heavy at it because it's just a butcher and a couple of ogres. Okay. And uh, people forget how badass a uh, couple of ogres are. So all you got to do is kill one guy, and the pot's full again. That's true. I forgot about that. Remind yeah. me, arcane... Uh... And a piece of arcane terrain. It allows you to get plus one to do... Plus one to cast. So it's just cast, a cast. unbind, and dispel. Yeah, cast, cast, unbind, un- and dispel. Okay, so literally, if you do what you just did, you're getting yeah. a plus two to cast or unbind and a plus one to dispel. If you yeah. did that and took the blood rock talisman, plus two to unbind or dispel, yeah. then you literally have a... What, a plus four? four to unbind endless spells and a plus three to dispel them and a yeah. plus yeah and a plus two to cast uh, no because you get the you get a plus one to cast from the mop pot does the mop pot give you a plus one to dispel also unbind unbind yeah okay so but i'm saying so, yeah. that you if you really wanted to yeah i mean you could That's start you could really they'd have to move away from him to cast spells basically they had to move out of range right of him to cast spells, otherwise you're just going to be stopping everything. That's great. Well, he'd stop one. You oh, know what I mean? He'd right. get, he he only gets X many unbinded. Oh, that's true. Yeah, See, that's so, why Wizard Flesh Apron, because then he can sit up there and just cast spells all day. Gotcha, mm-hmm. gotcha. See, that, these, these are the things that I need to be told. Yeah. All right, Relics of Everwinter. Um. <sighs> I didn't mark any of these. Like I know, I, I, for some reason, I'm just I wasn't certain what was really good here. 
I kind of stepped past and said, you guys can take this one. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a... T- I didn't play Beast Claw when that book came out. I had no interest in going in that direction with it. So my experience in this is pretty light. Mostly it's just from talking to Walter. Um, I thought the Rhyme Shroud might be cool, re-rolling unmodified hit rolls of six with missile weapons, because maybe that'll take away stuff that gets an extra mortal wound. There seems to be a lot of that kind of stuff going around, where... Hits of a six generate a mortal wound in addition to normal damage was kind of the thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Carlock or Carvalock's flank. And again, that was just like for Yeti. You know, friendly Yetis that are wholly within 12 get an extra two inch move with their normal move. So making your Yeti faster can't be a bad thing. Other than that, yeah, nothing really stuck out to me either. Did you like any of them, Alex? No, you talked about the two good ones. Okay. <laughs> All right. Buddy, we nailed it. We got a, we're, we're sharing a brain here. There we go. Yeah. The big thing with the flank is that the Yetis don't have the ogre keyword. So yeah. they don't get the hungry rule. Yeah. Oh, okay. That is true. Nice. All right. So then we go to Icebrow Hunter trophies. They got three choices. I liked the first one. In the hero phase, heal D3 wounds. Yep. Yep, anything that regenerates, I'm I'm into it. That was my um, favorite. Oh, I like the second one too. Ed the brow plate saves, yeah. It's the save and it's the artifact or the extra command point. Yep. So I like that one personally because I'm not going to be throwing my hunters in against something that he can't kill, or he's just going to be sitting back and lobbing spears. Right. Hmm. All right. Um. Okay, we've still got a bunch of these. You know what? Let's take a quick break. Sure. We've been going for almost about 40 minutes. Let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll get through the rest of all the spells and the special abilities and get to the Maw Pot and all that cool stuff. Cool. All right. All right. Are you finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? Six Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paint? Six Squared Studios. Well, then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right, Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them. And we are back with the lores of Gut Magic, the Sun Eater, and the Manifestations of the Eternal Snowstorm. Yeah, they got a lot of stuff now. 
Yeah, yeah, dude. yeah this is longer than I expected it to be. Uh, this has been this has been my pooping book for a while now. <laughs> mm. No, I can see that because you can. You're, I mean, this is the part. This is the this is the part of the game that I am still, after years, struggling with. Because there's so many little options, and I, I I miss the subtleties, like all the like oh you can this and oh you can jump in that and oh this can happen. Like you were just pointing out, I'm going to put him by the arcane and the maw pot, and you know double up on this thing so that he's really I'm like oh that's really awesome. It's those little bits that I really enjoy. But man, there's a lot of stuff here. All right, um, uh, gut magic for the butchers. Yeah. Um, a lot of stuff here. I was personally fond of Blood Feast and Rib Cracker. Blood Feast and Rib Cracker are the goods, dude. Okay, so I was right on this one. Yep. All right. Uh, uh, Greasy Deluge as well. So those are the three spells mm-hmm. that are like the most useful in every situation. Yeah. Um, I actually at first was like Flesh Crave Curse sounds pretty good, and I was like, wait, no, I hate those spells. It's like, oh, we're going to hurt you, but then you're going to be better for the next rest of the turn against me. Oh my god, no, right, just trash. And knowing me, and here's the thing, I need to mitigate dice rolls. Anytime something has D6 damage, I know I'll do one. Right, I do D6 mortal wounds. So I am so un. Every other aspect of my life, I'm a really lucky dude, and stuff just works out for me. Games, it's crazy ask any guy who's ever played me in in any dice game it is appalling anything but a, a one rock. Ooh, one oh, i gotta re-roll anything but a one nope another one. Oh, it's crazy it's yep. crazy so this kind of thing i'll do one wound and then all of a sudden whatever it is is all gonna get a plus one attack get out of here and right. he'll roll all sixes get out of here Right, nope. and it'll be some stupid horde that completely surrounds you and gets like already has forty attacks. Now they've got like sixty coming at you. It's like no, no, no. Well, and even if you cast it on a character, he's probably kick ass. You don't want to give him an attack, <laughs> you know? Because I'll do one wound to him and just piss him off. Yeah, they'll get my leader who's got that uh, stupid uh, hero uh, hero killer. If you roll a six, it's d six mortals. Oh, there you go. Boom! If I get an extra attack. All no, right, so you let's... might as well just take black marker and scrub that one off of your book completely. <laughs> just throw it, just cut it out, burn it, throw it in the trash. Blood Feast is where it's at. All right, well, why don't you take that one then? So Blood Feast has a casting value of seven. If successfully cast, pick a friendly ogre unit that is not a monster and that is wholly within 18 inches of the caster and visible to them. Add one to the tax characteristic for that unit's melee weapons until the start of your next hero phase, Iron Guts. Oh, that's so good. I mean, yeah. it's just one attack, but considering the damage that these guys do. Yeah, it's dude, not Iron just Guts. one attack. Yeah, what? exactly. It's eight attacks. It's eight attacks, It's but it's also, it affects their gulping bite attacks, too. Yep. yep. Oh, that's right. That's considered a melee weapon. Yeah. yeah, they have multiple weapon profiles now on like almost all of these ogre models. Yep. Oh. Four attacks, so three by three, one ran three damage. Even if a couple of those got through. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that's the thing that's with this called, army is that's that, why it's called Blood Feast, dude. They beat them to death and then they eat them. <laughs> Go so good. Counts for both their attack profiles. Yeah. Yep. Alex, which ones did you like? We didn't even ask. 
didn't need to. Oh, it's still Blood Feast, Rib Cracker, and Greasy Deluge? Okay, then I'll take Rib Cracker, and you can take Greasy Deluge. Uh, Rib Cracker, cast on a 7. Pick an enemy within 18 inches uh, visible to them. Minus 1 to save rolls for attacks that target that unit until your next hero phase. That's huge if just for the last reason we said. Every single extra wound that gets through uh, can be 2 to 3 damage. And especially against hordes or a lot of these one-wound models. Or even, I mean... These Iron Guts, I don't want to take my uh, Stormcast, my Elites against them. The guys who have three wounds apiece, every one of these is taking a guy off. My yep. Elite unit's going to disappear. Oh, yeah. It's just bananas. Even the Gluttons have two damage. Getting them extra hits is just great. So minus one to your save um, when I'm coming in is so good. I really like Wait, that one. Each Iron Gut has the potential to do nine wounds apiece. Yeah. You know, and if they're blood feasted, that's 12 wounds apiece. Like, that's banana. Actually, no, it's more than that because they've got um, the bites. So, so that would be 14. another two. So, 14, yeah. 14, yeah. Potential damage of 14 wounds for a, for an infantry. Single dude. Yeah. <laughs> so dumb. Dude, it's so early, yeah. Ah, uh, uh, so good. All right, and the, and the greasy. Yeah, the Greasy Deluge, um, cast value 7. If it goes off, pick an enemy unit within 18 inches of the caster. Subtract 1 from hit rolls for attacks made by that unit until the start of your next hero phase. Or if you're up on a Bailwind Vortex, it goes up to 24. Yeah. So, huge, huge debuff. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, and you can have one model throw out all three of those spells in one go. You could have your butcher casting blood feast, rib cracker, and deluge all in one go, and then your iron guts just eviscerate whatever that unit is that you don't like. Oh yeah, I'm gonna blood feast my guys, and then I'm gonna rib cracker the guys that I'm planning on sending them against, and then deluge them as well. Oh, so so if there's anything left, so they can't even hit back. Well. So good. Yeah. But it also helps mitigate that shooting problem. Yep. Theoretically. Oh, yeah, because if it's within eight, yeah, you could save rolls for attacks that target the unit. Yeah, it doesn't say what phase. Oh, no, that's good. Yeah. All right. Uh, fire belly yeah, spells. Other, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, the, the other three spells are just, yeah, flesh crave, you can ignore it. Uh, Blumber gulp and molt, uh, molten entrails basically just apply to ogre monsters and uh, rhinox and monsters. So... If you're running a lot of those, you might be interested in casting them, but I prefer spells I've always got an opportunity to use. So it's not that these are bad, it's just that they're kind of situational, and none of my builds feature monsters or rhinox. Yeah, I mean, what are, I mean, the rhinox are on the scrap launcher and the iron blaster, is that it? And that's it. Yeah, see, that that's why I looked at that, and I'm like, okay, pass, because it's like two, two units in the whole army, and you're not going to have a ton of them in your army. Well, yeah. And uh... it's <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, you're, you're going to have, depending on your build, Blubber Grub is actually pretty good if you're playing yeah. under guts. Yes, and you've got a ton of blasters, sure. Yeah. Right, that's true. But then again, it's once again, it only counts for but the trampling that's charge. One, yeah, so it's one particular mod tribe loves that spell, <laughs> but in general, the three that we talked about are going to be your hot takes. So Yeah. Um. All right, so let's go to the fire bellies. 
Oh, I'm so glad they made them good. These spells are pretty decent, aren't they? Yep. Like, especially the Fiery Whirlwind. I, I really like that one. Um, if you're playing multiple different things, if you've got a Butcher and you have a Fire Belly in there, you can actually throw that that billowing ash and make it even harder to hit stuff. Yep. Those are the two I put down. Fiery Whirlwind and Billowing Ash are awesome. All right, so yeah, Fiery Whirlwind, cast on a six. Pick one enemy unit, and it literally... And then roll a die for every model in the unit within 12 inches of the caster and invisible to them. Uh, For every four up, they take a mortal wound. If it's only a one model, you get three dice. So that way, if if you're picking a hero or something, you got at least a chance to do more than one mortal wound to them. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, this is kind of like the dank hold spores again. It's every model rolls a dice on a four up takes a mortal wound. Yeah, I mean, if you're fighting horde armies, these are really good spells. Yeah, but this one you can throw through a spell portal. Oh yeah, that's true. That's got reach. Oh, so oh, that's right. Because it's not within twelve inches of the. Well, so then the other the other portal becomes the caster. Uh-huh. Yep. Oh, so you can reach out and touch someone with this. Yeah, it's That's like gnarly. the old uh, Gaunt Summoner on foot trick with his Infernal Flame spell. Um, so this one, yeah, you may get blasted back by something through the mirror, but if you set it up right, you can really wreck a day turn one. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no and then the billowing ash casts on an eight until the start of your next hero phase, minus one to hit rolls for attacks that target friendly units wholly within twelve inches of the caster. So this is what I said you could pile this on with the other stuff that's making it harder to hit. And that's a nice size bubble too. Yeah. I mean if he's standing near your dude with your maw pot or do one of your other casters or any of that stuff. I mean, anything that you don't, I mean, that's just, this could be, these are good. And yeah. that one is even better if you put him on a uh, Vortex. I think the Bill and Vortex is like the standout endless spell for these guys anyway. Yeah. But you throw that up, it's now an 18-inch bubble from the Vortex. Oh, that's right, because it expands. The, oh, so it, it expands. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and especially since now you're going to want to park one of your butchers by the maw pot anyways. Mm-hmm. So whatever can give you extra range is the move. Like, as soon as I read how the maw pot worked, the first thing I thought was, yeah, Vortex, dude. Yeah, Vortex or the mirror. Yeah. Or both. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the last one's worth mentioning, I think. Tongue of Flames on a six. Uh, pick an enemy unit that has five or more models that are within 18 inches of the caster and visible. So it's it has to be five or more models within range of you, right? right. Okay. Uh, until the starting next hero phase, each time that unit finishes any type of move, it takes D3 mortals. So it's not the best, but it can seriously lock a unit in place if they don't want to lose too much. Well, especially if it's just a unit of five, like if it's five paladins. Right. You know, you don't want to eat wounds every single time. See, that's a good one to fire through the uh, off the portal because the further the way they are from you, the more they're going to have to move to get to you or get to anything for that matter. 
Yeah, and especially if you get the first and then they get the double back. Yeah. Yeah. Because then it's on there for two movement phases. And that's any type of move, including a pile-in move. So. Oh, that's yep. right. Nice. Pretty gross. Um, okay, so let's take the prayers then. The Everwinter prayers. Manifestations of the Eternal Snowstorm. Um, they all go off on a four plus. I'm not, I wasn't certain. This seemed so situational. I wasn't certain which of these were really good. It seemed like the first one was the most universal, the easiest one to use. Yeah. Yes. No. No. Basically. The second one is the most universal. Okay. Yeah. You're going to have monsters or Mornfang in most cases. I guess it really depends like what kind of, uh, Beast Claw list you're running. Yeah, it's it definitely build going, dependent. Yeah, you're either going Yetis or you're going Mornfang. So, you know, pick your poison pretty much. Oh, that's true because this is all just Beast Claw Raiders. So, yeah, the Mornfang or Monster would be the. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I'm just so used to picking a spot like with the little spit things from all of my uh, Dracoth riders and stuff. So. And it's useless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It always I like picking a picking a couple of wounds off here and there. It's helped me out, you know. It's made for good stories, but once again, I'd rather put an extra three inch move on my critters. Well, uh, we'd all like an extra back. three inches, wouldn't we? Yeah, yeah. Healing back Yeti's pretty solid. Yeah, no, that's yeah, that's true. So I got that one dead wrong. Uh, okay. Now we're on the mount traits because we haven't done enough things. We got to make sure that all the mounts get stuff. So. This is for heroes on stone horns only. Yep. Um, here's where I start to... This is where I was just like, okay, I'm going to rely on Alex. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Actually, I picked, I picked one or two. Uh, yeah. I kind of like the Metal Cruncher, um, and I kind of like Belligerent Charger, but I'm, I wasn't certain, so... I liked Black Clatterhorn. Adding one to hit rolls made with his rock-hard horns is pretty dope. The granite tooth. That's the one? That is the one, because you're adding one to charge rolls for Stonehorn and Mornfame packs while they're holy within 12 of him. So you do granite tooth, keening gale, and then uh, where is that other one? Which one's keening gale? That's the, uh, oh, okay. the plus three move prayer. Okay. And then, oh, so you're just looking for a turn one charge, basically, with that setup, right? Yeah, pretty much. Like, cool. you're going just all out. But it affects Stonehorns and Mornfangs, and with the Huskard on Stonehorns' um, linebreaker ability, it's a big deal to be able to get all of these guys moving together and moving quickly. Yeah, that's true. Cool. See, I like I said, I I do like, and I'm just saying, I do like Metal Cruncher because it's you, you uh, at the start of combat, pick a war machine or an enemy unit with a save characteristic of four plus three plus or two plus, which is a lot of heroes, you know. And then you got these guys with these ridiculous two plus invincible blibble blabbles. Um, you get up right within three inches of them, and they they take d6 mortals. It's situational, I know. It's, 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 it's dice rolling, Dave. I just can't, I can't do dice rolling, buddy. I, I, I get I'll it. do one little wound. It'll just make them mad. Yep. <laughs> I get that. 
or the belligerent the, the belligerent charger I thought was cool because that whole trampling charge basically you you're going to get at least seven dice because if your charge roll is less than a seven it counts as being a seven just for the yeah, for the charge trait so all those four pluses or sixes or you know like I said you run your hero in he you know or your monster or if your hero counts as a monster it's like oh look boom I look at all these four you know it's just it's more dice well, to that is, four up this is only on a monster. Oh, that's right. It's on a monster because it's on the Stonehorn. So he's already getting it at four up. So he's getting at yeah. least seven. And yeah. that's, that's, I mean, the ability's cool. I just, I thought, you know, that would be helpful. Because you know you're going to be charging that Stonehorn in. It's not like he's sitting around saying, I don't want to fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe Alex, he's just trying to justify his less. <laughs> <laughs> no. But it's there's good options here. It's they're all, they're, a, they've all got their moves, for sure. Yeah. All right, so where do we go with the Thunder Tusk then? Uh, what did I put? Thunder Tusk, I did Flesh Greed. At the start of the hero phase, if this model is eating, you can heal one wound allocated to this model, because I'm always a fan of anything that regenerates wounds. Uh, I liked the Rhyme Frost hide, because half of the way you're getting through to this thing and, and beating on it is to have a little bit of rend. Um, and this... That, that anyone who that minus one to any rend attacking this model minus one rend is I think is kind of sweet, especially with the things where you get bonuses or a lot of these armies where you're going across the whole army's got that one rend and they're really counting on that. It's like nah, mm-hmm. I could see that, but it just seems like there's so much stuff that dishes out mortal wounds now yeah. that it's like you know. uh like, yeah, it's a cool trick with Night Hunt to ignore Rend, so you just hammer him with mortal wounds. Yeah, that's true. That, that's the only thing. that Anytime there's stuff that, like, plays with Rend in a defensive manner, that's my sort of first thought is, like, well, it doesn't do anything against the other half of what causes wounds. Or what about Fleet of Hoof? Reroll one or both dice when making charge rolls. Yeah, I'm not mad at that one. That one I kind of like, especially if you're roll you know you you can choose one or two dice so maybe you make the charge but that one die is a one and you're like screw that i want to get more i want to get more of uh more mortal wound potential on my uh on my thunder thundering charge thing that they're doing whatever it's called yeah, Trampling charge. Yeah. the only thing is i don't know if i would necessarily charge in with one of these things like they're good but they're not a stone horn well, yeah. I feel like I feel like matriarch only because it's the thought of like it's the mama, you know, just models and <laughs> on it and have it run around. <laughs> Add one to the charge rolls for friendly thunder tusks while they're holy within twelve. Like I just thought that was kind of kind of cute. Like they've never really brought up like the sex of a mount before. <laughs> so this elder female like eight, strides eight teats running the along the sides of it. Yeah. It's just like Mama and her brood. I thought that was kind of a funny idea. Like, okay, guys, cool. It's just never been done before. All right. The Mm -hmm. Big Mama Thunder Tusk. Big Mama Thunder (laughs) (laughs) Tusk. Don't bleep that. (laughs) Don't bleep that. Okay. Uh, The other one to consider is the Ancient. I was just, Um, yeah, I was just going to ask about that one. Because of the activation war situation right now. So if it doesn't make a charge move... um, Enemy units that are within three inches of it at the start of the combat phase fight at the end of the combat phase. So it helps deal with the activation wars because that's something that the ogres are going to fall down on. It's because they don't really have a lot that 
jumps that order, but this is a way to help protect them. God, I know. Tell me about it. I was finding that out the hard way, fighting one of the... Mikey G was running uh, four Bloodthirsters the other day. So oh, he, the ASF? Uh, yeah, that trick. Yeah. I was like, wait, they get to do what? Pardon me? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One after another. Oh, God. Yeah. And all that is high damage. Yeah, so. dude. Well, I think that's it for... Uh, yeah, we're on to the maw pot and it's, the tribes and stuff. Let's talk about that maw pot because this is not only an awesome model. Uh, I really like the look of this maw pot, and it's got that little that little tent, and your guy can sit right under it, like in the shade, oh, working. Just cooking ribs in the hot sun. I love it. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so. Now, it's one of those things where uh, after territories chosen before set up, you could put a maw pot more than an inch from terrain features, more than 12 inches from the territory, more than six inches from objectives. So you've got that, you know, basic rules going on. Um, Plus one to casting or unbinding for ogre wizards within an inch of the maw pot, which we had mentioned earlier. Yep. And then here's its ability. Uh, It's either full or empty. At the start of the battle, it's full in your hero phase. One friendly ogre hero within six inches of the maw pot uh, from your army can spend all of the great maw pot's magic. If they do so, heal D3 wounds to each friendly ogre unit wholly within 36 inches of that maw pot. Roll for separately for each unit. Once it's been spent, it's empty. So D3 wounds within 36 inches literally... If that thing is near, if it's near the center of the board lengthwise, it's basically the whole board. Yep. And um, if and, and like you said, you you set up there, and then they come to get it. Enemy mo- if if an enemy model is slain within six inches of an empty maw pot, it's full. Basically, if you kill anything near this thing, the butcher is throwing it in. Yep. And it refills. So. Wow. So in your hero, as long as something dies, then in the beginning of your hero phase, you're going to get to pull this off. Yeah, like on your opponent's turn, he can charge stuff near the pot. You kill it, bang, it's full, and then on your following turn, you can pop the pot again. It's awesome. D3 wounds to each friendly unit. That's actually, oh, all your heroes... Yep. The monsters. The stone horns and the stuff that it's taken, it, that it's impossible to take down half the time. I know it's easier than it used to be now. The rules have changed a bit. But, yeah, that's bananas. Your man-eaters, dude. That's where it's important for me, getting my man-eaters back to full. Mm. Truth. So good. Yep. That's, a, that's a great rule. That's really good. Well, and it's like it's simple. It's not hard to remember. It just does two things. That's it. Yep. You know, All you got to remember is if it's empty or full. Yep. Okay. Well, there we go. That's oh, that's the rule for that. Yeah. 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 And, it's, it, and it's free. You don't pay points for it, so buy one. Yeah. If you're playing this army and you don't have one, you're making a mistake. Yep. Totally. Okay. Um. Did we want to run through all six of the Maw Tribes, or did we want to talk about ones we really like? You said they're all pretty good. Should we just do this? Yeah. That's fine by me. All right. I mean, it, it's pretty straightforward. Um, the Meatfist Maw Tribe is like the biggest of all the tribes, and by how they're written out in their rules, they're like, quote-unquote, the most aggressive. 
Um, so for their abilities, they get Fleshy Stampede, so they add one additional dice to Meat Fist units when they use their Trampling Charge, which is pretty handy. Yep. Uh, their command ability, Unstoppable Feast, is kind of hit or miss. Like, it adds one to the attacks of Ogre Gluttons to their Gulping Bite, um, which the Gulping Bite is its not the greatest thing, but it's kind of a, it's just an extra pip, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it'd be different if it was like a two damage thing, but it just does one. So the command ability, I'm like, eh, it's okay. Uh, command trade is pretty good because that generates command points. So at the start of your hero phase, if your general's eating, you gain a command point. That's awesome. Yeah, and he's gonna you're gonna have that guy in combat. So it, yep, yeah, he's almost always gonna be eating. So that's good. And the artifact that he has to take lets you reroll save rolls of one that target the bear. You know, it's funny. I used to scoff at anything that was reroll ones, and I have so much more respect for it over the years. I just, so many people seem to have reroll ones, and that just saves their ass. And especially since your tyrant saves on a three. Or no, he saves on a four. No, but if you take Fate Seeker. Right. You can save on a three, so you can make him pretty, uh, pretty tough. Um,. But yeah, that's that's basically the the breakdown for the meat fist. Yep. Um, I'll take blood gullet, I guess. Uh, blood gullet. These guys, um, butchers know an extra spell, and friendly butchers can attempt to cast an extra spell in your hero phase. That's really good. Huge. Yeah, that's huge. Um, the command ability. Uh, start of the combat phase. Pick a friendly. Uh, blood gullet butcher until the end of the phase reroll wound rolls um, for attacks made with melee weapons by friendly gluttons wholly within 12 inches yeah that one's okay well that's all the melee weapons which is what's nice it's yeah. not just the bite I mean it's way better than the unstoppable feast yes it's uh, than- yeah Nice drop of the red stuff is their command trait. Friendly units that start a pile and move wholly within 12 inches of the general can pile in an extra three inches. Grossest thing in the game. Now, you still have to be within three to pile in because them's the rules, right? Like, you don't get a pile yeah. in from six inches away. But Yeah, that is correct. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah, because in order to pile in, you have to have made a charge move. Or be within three inches of an enemy model in normal situations. Okay. All right. I've been playing that wrong then. I thought it was acting kind of like how Yetis have a six-inch pile in. So. Yeah, no. But with Yetis, they could pile in nine inches away. Right. Yeah. Okay. So they just get a really wide. Okay. Good. I'm glad that was clarified for me right now because I was about to break a bunch of rules at Wapaka this weekend. But with the size of the model base and stuff like that, if you've got them sort of pinned in or in a narrow spot, that extra three is it can be really still awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's still awesome for sure. Especially with like gluttons because they don't have as much reach as iron guts do. Because iron guts can just hit over each other because they've got a two inch range, but gluttons do not. So being able to spread out and around is huge. Yeah. Um, and the artifact of power, I like this one, the splatter cleaver. Splatter cleaver rules. So you're giving it to your hero. Uh, pick one of his melee weapons at the end of the combat phase. If any wounds were inflicted by that weapon in the phase were allocated to an enemy model and not negated. So if you actually did the wounds, you heal D3 wounds to each 
friendly blood gullet ogre within wholly within twelve inches of the bearer. D three wounds unit. Every whole blood gullet, yeah unit. Well, I mean it's all got to go on one model anyway. So yeah, I I misspoke, but yeah, every unit within twelve inches gets another D three, and that's on top of the maw pot rule. Those two yep. together is are just seems like it can get crazy. Oh yeah. So yeah, like blood oh. gullet. Blood gullet is my favorite out of all of the bands right now. But it also is because my army clicks right into it. Nice. Like the list. The list I was running pre book. The only thing that changed is I had to add two lead belchers, and it's basically the same models I was running. Only now they're super cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Alex, do you want to take underguts? Absolutely. Um, so their basic ability is that their lead belcher guns uh, have a range of eighteen inches instead of twelve. Oh, um, good. Which is a huge difference, given that they get the plus two to the move when they're hungry, and then they have an eighteen-inch shot now, so that puts them at a twenty-six-inch start range. Um, so it's a bit deceptive. When you think about it, um, their command ability is thunderous salvo. So you get to pick a friendly underguts hero. And until the end of that phase, you add one to the attacks characteristics of missile weapons used by iron blasters. Holy within 12. And that obviously happens in the shooting phase. So they get two shots of gun um, or depending on how they fire um, multiple shots. Cause they have that, uh, like grape shot rule, the hail shot. Yes. That gets yeah. six. So that could mm-hmm. become seven. Ugh. Yeah, or t- two shots with the main cannon. But yeah. that's affecting all of them within 12 inches of that hero. So you're going to want to take at least two or so to really like get the maximum ability out of them. So like, if you were to go completely mental and it was alternate reality, Alex, and you could just like get whatever models you want, would it work? Could you run like... 10 iron blasters and make it happen with this kind of a list? Uh, you can only do four. Oh, right. Because the artillery limit. But so they don't have anything that turns them into battle line? No. They don't have anything that turns them into battle line or remove the artillery restriction. Right, okay. But I don't know if I would take more than two or three to begin with, because yeah. you still need points for um, a battalion and then the rest of your army. Sure. Those iron so. blasters are only 120 points, so that's pretty good. Yeah, but this well, yeah, army spends so quick. Yes, it does. Yeah. Um, especially since lead belchers are battle line uh, with a gut busters general, so it's a huge, huge deal. Um, the command trait for underguts is mass of scars, so you subtract one from wound rolls for attacks made with missile weapons that target the general. On a tyrant, that's not that great, but on a frost lord on a stone horn, pretty it's pretty legit. good. Oh. Because it doesn't say it has to be a gut buster general. This is just if you're taking an undergut small tribe. Oh, yeah. So it just depends on how you build it. Like, there's ways to get around it. Um, and then the nutbar blast keg is their artifact. And this one I like. Um, so this, once per battle to start your shooting phase, you can see you're going to throw the blast keg. Um, if you do so, pick a enemy unit within nine inches of the bearer that they can see and roll six dice 
and add one to each roll for every 10 models in that unit, for every six plus that enemy unit takes D3 mortal wounds. Oh, so if it's a horde, seriously, a horde of like 40? Yeah, you're adding... You're hitting on two pluses. Four, yeah, for D3 mortal wounds for six dice. So 63 mortal wounds. So you're averaging 12 wounds? 12 to 15? Yeah. 12 to 18, yeah. Damn. That's pretty good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then we got the boulder heads. You want to take this one, Chris? Because I know the other two are... uh, are uh alex specific well yeah <laughs> yeah they're beast claw raiders sure uh the boulderhead maw tribe they've got for abilities they have fearsome breed so they add one to the wound characteristics of friendly boulderhead monsters in addition uh each boulderhead hero or stonehorn or thunder tusk instead of only one can be given a mount trait so everybody gets a mount trait oh that's good yeah it's pretty gnarly uh, Deadly Hail, add one to prayer rolls for pulverizing hailstorm when a boulderhead priest is chanting that prayer. Okay, sure. Um, command ability, uh, dig deep your heels. You can use this command ability at the start of any phase. If you do, pick one friendly boulderhead hero that has a mount. Until the end of the phase, use the top row of that unit's damage table regardless of how many wounds it suffered. That's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, again, so you can have a hammered up hero on a uh, stone horn and he's still attacking with like full capacity. Uh, their command trait, a boulderhead general, uh, Lord of Beasts, uh, friendly boulderhead monsters that are wholly within 12 inches of the general at the start of the movement phase can move an extra one inch when they make a normal move during that phase. Uh, yeah, that's okay. I mean, it's free and you just get it. So sure. Yeah. A bit no, no, that's amazing. Yeah, a little bit faster monster. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, they're hungry for starters because they have the ogre keyword. Yep. You throw this on there and then the granite tooth elder. So it just keeps stacking the movement. So you're on them turn one. Like there are a lot of people that are like, oh, well, they can't run and charge anymore. No, no. They're still they in don't face turn one. Yeah. Yeah. All those inches for the run are basically chewed up in these abilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, Artifact of Power, Brand of Svard, the Brayer. If the bear has a mount, add one to the hit rolls for attacks made with that mount's melee weapons. Also, not bad at all. Hmm. So, Boulderhead, pretty powerful. Yeah, that's pretty strong. Um, Thunderbellies. Thunderbellies. Let's see, what do these guys have? Swift Outflank. Friendly Thunderbelly Mornfang packs wholly within 12 inches of the edge of the battlefield at the start of the charge phase can charge even if they ran. So you can run up the sidelines and they still get a charge in. Not bad. Um, they also have Riders of the Hurricane plus one to prayers for the Keening Gale when your priest chants it. And I think that's the one. That's that? the plus three move. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, see, there's a good reason for that. See, that's where they start mixing together. Now that happens on a three plus. Okay. Uh, Their command ability, at the start of the combat phase, pick an enemy unit with one or more wounds allocated to it. That's within six inches of a Thunderbelly hero. Until the end of the phase, you can re-roll wound rolls for attacks made by Thunderbelly Mornfang Pack's unit against uh, that target that enemy unit. Oh, so once they smell blood... They get a bonus. Nice. 
I thought you were going to say they get a boner. <laughs> Sorry. Well, they might. Yeah. I mean, they do get excited at the smell of blood and at food, so who knows? Yeah. Uh, Storm Chaser, plus one to charge rolls if you're totally within 18 of the general. Once again, just moving. A lot of fast, a lot of moving going on here. And their artifact is the Shatterstone. Enemy units treat terrain features within 12 inches of the bearer as deadly, in addition to any other rules. Is that good? Uh, seems like it might it's be. It's okay. Yep. Okay. So there you go. There's your Thunderbellies if you're running a lot of Mornfang and stuff, I guess. Um, and then you've got Winterbite. Yeah, this is my favorite of them. Again, it's the themey stuff. So, uh, Ghosts in the Blizzard, so subtract one from hit rolls for attacks made with missile weapons at target. Friendly winter bite units wholly within your territory. So you have to be careful depending on the battle plan, but subtracting one to hit is a big deal when you're getting shot at. Um, call of the Endless White. I don't like that name, but... Um, you get to add one to prayer rolls for Call of the Blizzard when you try to put a Yeti back in a unit. Uh, command ability, you can use this at the start of the combat phase. If you do so, pick a friendly Winterbite hero. And Winterbite Frost Sabers and Yetis, wholly within 12 inches of that hero, can fight at the start of the combat phase. Um, and they can't fight again unless they have an ability that lets them do it twice. Hmm. So this is one of those, like, you can... S- with the um, mount trade off the Thunder Tusk that makes the stuff within range fight last, and then you have the other side that fights first, so you have a little more of that activation control. Um, command trade is Winter Touched, so add one to wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons by friendly uh, Frost Sabers and Yetis while they're holding within 12 of the general. And then the Frost Fang is the weapon. So you pick one of the bear's melee weapons, and at the start of each battle round, roll a die. And on the five up, you add one to the damage characteristic um, made by that weapon for the rest of the battle. Well, that's so, kind of like, cool. That, it's kind of cool, cool yeah. if you're looking at, like, a Thunder Mace or a uh, Frost Spear. Yeah, I mean, if you're lucky enough to roll high, this could become ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it's this is probably the weakest of the three, um, what do you call it, Beast Claw Maw Tribes. But, I don't know, I think it's cool. Boom, boom. <laughs> That's terrible. I, but yeah. you know what, the command ability and the command trait seem to work together. Plus yeah. one to wound from the Frost Savers and the Yetis. And then the command ability, you know, um, they get to fight right at the beginning. So then... Uh, you Like, you can take other artifacts and stuff to pump up Yetis and Sabers. So you could totally make it work. It's just whatever you like to make work. Yep. Yeah, and again, that's one of the strengths of this book is, like, pretty much whatever you have in your collection or whatever you like, there's an opportunity to, to use some of these rules with any given tribe or set of abilities or spells even that's mm-hmm. going to cater to that. Yep. You know, it's definitely not like, oh, this is the one thing that works and that's it. Like you mentioned at the top of the show, you know, like, no, I don't think this is going to be like the top tier crazy BS uh, book of 2020, but 
there's a lot of cool stuff in here, and I think ogre players in general aren't setting out to be those guys anyways. Yeah. Like, we've, we've been taken in the teeth for literally decades, so they finally just gave us a book that's going to be fun to play with a lot of options, and which if you, is perfect. if you play it well, you got a really good chance. Yep. Let's see. Then we've got a three-player triumphant treachery set up, one battle plan, and then the path to glory. Turn the page, turn the page, turn the page... All right, and then we're uh, let's we'll go to the battalions later. We can let's take a break because we've sure. been going another forty some odd minutes, and then let's come back and talk about these uh, talk about these gut busters. Folks, Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chessex Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted boarded miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. And we're back. That's it. That's all, invo- that's all that involves the Skull Rose awesome welcome back. It's simple yeah. enough. It works. All right. So we got a bunch of entries here. Um, we're going to hit all of these. They, 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 they are kind enough to break them up by listing all of the gut busters first and then go into the, into the other dudes. So why don't we start with the Tyrant? Okay, I got opinions on this. So Let's have them. the tyrant one, you know, you take a couple iron guts, you take some um, gluttons, and I think you got to take no, some no, no, no. We're doing the war too. scroll, not the battalions. Oh, war scroll tyrant. Oh, okay, sure. Sorry, we do, but the battalions last after you know what all these things. Yeah, we wait till we see all, what all the things do, so that when we talk about what's in the battalion, anybody who hasn't read the book knows what the hell we're talking about. No, definitely. Please no speak to me like I'm, speak to me like I'm a child when I get it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think I do every show? Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, tyrant <laughs> rules. I yeah, mean, what do you God. think? Hey, <laughs> oh. I'm sorry, I'm distracting us. It's getting late. Let's go, tyrant. Uh, yeah, he's fantastic. Um, his new. Uh, kit is fantastic. Uh, you know, he's got pistols, which are an easy little pip for some long range damage. It's not the end of the world, but it's just an extra pip here and there that helps. The fact that he can charge and still gets the trampling charge rule on his own is awesome. The, uh, thunder hammer is great. Beast skewer glaive is great. And his access to big names is awesome. Like, pound for pound, fantastic choice for your warlord. Um, big big fan over here. Yeah, I'm just looking at this. 
all of his melee weapons are threes by threes. Yeah. Um, Thunder Mace has gotten two rend with three damage. The Glaive has got one rend with D3 damage. You can make it three rend if you take that ability, if you're really into that. Um, and then, of course, he's got his bite. We already went over the uh, the big names. Ah, so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Uh, if you're unmodified, so if you roll a six, a natural six with the Thunder Mace, it's a mortal wound on top. And if the target unit has more than three models, then on the unmodified six, it's D3 mortals. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. Yeah, so he can, like, solo charge plenty of stuff and do a ton of damage. Mm-hmm. You know, big, big fan. I mean, this is another one of those examples where you're talking about his potential damage without any special abilities or command traits or any of that extra stuff. He's got a potential for, what, 9, uh, 15, 16, 16 damage in, uh, in combat, plus up to 6 in the shooting phase. Yeah, in addition to whatever he gets from his trampling charge. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so he's a beast. And his command ability, uh, pick a, in the hero phase, pick a friendly gut buster unit within 3 inches... And that unit takes D3 mortals, but you don't take Battleshock tests for the rest of the game. Yeah, that's good on, like, a big block of, uh, like, Noblars or something. That always was the move. Because he's had that command ability for a while now. Um, So that was always my move, is take, like, a giant block of, like, 40 Noblars and let him make them immune because, again, if you're worried about Battleshock tests on your smaller blocks of ogres, you're doing it wrong. But that actually yeah. wouldn't be bad if you had a unit of eight, like especially of your Iron Guts. Yeah. Uh, you can do this, and then, because um, this is in the hero phase. So if you yeah. use that, you could literally use this and then use your Maw Pot. You yeah. could. I'm just um, saying. But it's one of those things you also have a lot of other healing options. Yeah. But, I mean, there's just different ways. I mean, there's so many different ways to heal back D3 wounds. Taking D3 wounds and then saying, now, granted, I got that, I have that, you know, uh, I I just, Battleshock tests are always my enemy. So, you know, and plus, so many things, uh, you don't have to do it now. You don't, oh, these guys are just immune for the rest of the game. That's That seems good to me. Yeah. At least on paper, it sounds good. Um. Who has thoughts on the Slaughtermaster? Who wants to take this guy? Love him. Uh, the big thing with the Slaughtermaster is the, the cauldron. So every turn he gets to roll on the cauldron. On a one, he takes uh, wounds. Um, the one that I love is, the hell is it called? Blood. Hang on a sec while it's, I get it's there. It's either Guts, spine Marrow, or Bone Crusher. Probably Spine Marrow. Yes, Spine Marrow is the one. Plus one to hit. Yeah. That's the one you're shooting for every round. So yeah, Trogoth Guts is pretty good. It can heal stuff, him and units nearby. Um, but Spine Marrow is the one you're shooting for, because then you're handing out plus one to hit to any unit, or to a unit within 12 of him, which is awesome. Bone Crusher, uh, I don't think I've ever made it work yet, because somebody's got to be within six for it to work. 
and I don't want anybody within six inches of my slaughter master in most cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his spell rock chopper is okay. Um, that lets you, if you hit on a six with a gulping bite, it does a mortal wound in addition to regular damage. But if you combine that with bloodbath, so they have two attacks with their gulping bite, then it's a little bit better. So if you've got like eight iron guts and you've got 16 gulping bite attacks, those sixes will pop up a lot more often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's another one of those things. Like if you've got the combo in place, it's solid. But just like on its own, it's it's all right. You but know, it also I was kills ex- your unit too. Yes. Yeah, that's true. But and that's the one thing. On gluttons unit. It's the only catch. Yeah. Oh yeah, right. Gluttons. That's why I never use it. <laughs> I put all I put all my cards in the iron guts. Uh, from if you haven't picked that up yet. <laughs> yep. Um, he's got, he can get a lot of attacks off too, I noticed. Um, but yeah, if you've got him kitted out with stump blades, he's solid. Right. Um, but no, uh, no rend on him and one damage, which is interesting because he's got all this cool stuff, but then you get the butcher who seems a little more suited for running out there and, and punching people in the face. Although he is the. Like, isn't the butcher like? I, I just thought the slaughtermaster was like the better form of the wizard. Well, he see He's, that's kind of what's weird is like I want my slaughtermaster out there so he can be handing out buffs with the cauldron. Okay. You know, and my butcher is the guy that I have sitting by the uh, the mop the uh, the pot. Yeah. So it just sort of depends how you want to use them. It's just if you want to get use out of that cauldron he's sort of got to be in the mix okay uh the butcher still has the blood gruel which the slaughtermaster has obviously yeah uh he does have a different spell although like his attacks three attacks threes by threes and you can either pick one that you get one rend and three damage or two rend and two damage so that's like i said they 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 can they can divvy out a few a few wounds here and there um Okay, what's their spell? Voracious Maw on a 7. Pick an enemy unit with an 18 and visible. They take D3 mortals. On a 1, 2, or 3, the spell ends. Or re- roll a die after that. On a 1, 2, or 3, the spell ends. On a 4 up, they take another D3. Keep doing this until the Maw is satisfied. Or the or unit is destroyed. just leaves. Yeah. <laughs> so D3, a couple of good 4-ups. That could... That that could that's talk about an exploding dice situation that could be pretty cool unless you're me in which case you've never done it ever because <laughs> you do one mortal wound I on get, the first roll get, and then you roll a one I get, yep i get one mortal wound maybe two and then i fail the four up roll so yeah <laughs> okay so before we get to iron guts which you know is the only unit in the book apparently <laughs> yeah only unit in the book yeah. um what about the gluttons Alex? I mean, or I'm sorry, yeah. go ahead, Chris, if you wanted to. I was just going to have Alex run through the rules, but you could talk about it first if you want to. Well, actually, Alex, go ahead and run through it, and then I'll, I'll lean in on it. <laughs> um, so they have one unified profile now with the clubs or blades, um, and they have the bite attack. But they're now hitting on threes and wounding on threes, which is a huge difference from the last huge. version because they hit on fours before. Um, what's interesting about these guys is their standard bearer trick so one in every six can be a beast skull bearer 
and one in every six can be a tribal banner. So you, out of a unit of six guys, you can have two banners. Oh, okay. So for the B skull, you get to reroll charge rolls, and then for the totem or for the bear for the tribal banner, you get to add plus one to their bravery, so they go up to seven, and then when they're eating, they go up to nine. Nice, and you can still have the lookout Noblar. Yeah, he comes along with the tribal banner. Um, so anytime you take a wound from a mor- from a missile weapon, um, on a six up, it's negated. So it helps mitigate their problem with getting shot at least a little bit. But yep. it's only against wounds, not mortal wounds. Um, so how you can kick them out is either with a club and an iron fist, or a pair of clubs or blades. If you go with the pair, if the unmodified attack roll is a six, you get to inflict two hits for instead of one. So it's just exploding sixes. And then for the Iron Fist, if the unmodified save roll for an attack made with a melee weapon that targets this unit is a six, while well, as an Iron Fist, the unit attacking suffers one mortal wound instead. Yeah, big so. fan of the Iron Fists, actually. Mm-hmm. Because unmodified so even if you're you get hit by something that's like minus six rend or minus three rend you still roll for it regardless even if yep. it's going to blow through and you can still bounce back those wounds mm-hmm. so yeah. you'll yeah. still take the wound it'll still kill you but you can always bounce back a couple of mortal wounds on your way out which is nice as yeah opposed to just taking it in the pants mm-hmm. and yeah. especially if you can uh what's the word so it's like if you're fighting against a horde and you're tanked up, ready to go, um, you can do mortal wounds back to them. So it's just continuing to dish out damage. Yeah. Yeah. And people seem to sleep. Like, they get so scared. Like, once somebody sees the damage the Iron Guts do, they sort of assume that's the grossest uh, unit in the list. And they sort of forget that, like, gluttons do two wounds apiece themselves. You know, so like a unit of gluttons can hand out a lot of damage um, unassisted as well, you know, with all their attacks from either the paired or the iron fists and the gulping bites. So it's easy to sleep on the gluttons, but they're just as capable of wrecking face as uh, the guts are just in different ways. They're Mm -hmm. not as devastating, but they'll still they'll still tear it up. Cool. Yeah, especially if you get a, bu- a bunch of buffs off on them, too. So if you've sacrificed your guts early and they got themselves murdered, you can tool up with a, with a Slaughtermaster and a Butcher uh, spicing up that unit of gluttons. They can be just as killy in their own way. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Yep. Definitely cool stuff. Um, all right, Chris, here you go. Iron Guts, take it. Yeah, they're the only uh, unit in the book. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah guts are great um pretty much standard for their uh, uh their command so you've got a gut lord you get a guy with an extra attack a bellower so uh units minus one from their bravery if you're within six inches of a bellower uh they get the rune mob banner which is a little bit different than what the gluttons have so that one um if an enemy fails Battleshock within six of them, uh, you roll a dice, and on a six, it adds a D3 to the numbers of models that flee. Whatever that's situational. 
Um, but you can also ignore the effects of a spell or an endless spell if that targets the unit and you roll a six. So that's pretty cool. Also situational, I would have been happier if it was like a four plus to make them really magic immune, but you know, you'll roll a six occasionally. I won't, but you might. <laughs> you need some garage hammer dice. I, uh, it's just the way, buddy, I just can't invest any emotional currency into games. That's all. That's, <laughs> that's like why lately I've been like picking up best sports votes. Cause like, I just go into it going, buddy, there's no way I got this. So let's just push some dudes around and see what happens. <laughs> uh, but then they've got a great ability called down to the iron guts. So this is one of the reasons I don't care about affecting your bravery or trying to avoid running away because once per battle in your hero phase, if at least one ogre model from your army has fled the battle, you can use this ability. If you do so, you can reroll hit, wound, and save rolls of one for this unit until your next hero phase. So suddenly your iron guts are going completely buck wild all over the table if one ogre bails. Yeah. And it doesn't be from that unit, just any ogre on the table. If you've you got one guy runs away, so you yeah, you got to go mental. Okay, so let me let me get let me make sure I got this straight, so I'm not misreading it. So you fail a battle shock test at any point in the game, and mm-hmm. lose a dude, and yep. lose yeah yeah, and lose a dude. So then, in your hero phase, in your hero phase after that, and this is for every unit. Every unit gets yep. to do this. The Iron Guts. Day, I or every, I mean, it's yeah, every iron, iron Guts. Yeah, but what I'm saying is it's not just one's pick one. It's This is just the unit's ability. Oh, that is. Yeah. So if you got two or three units of these, then they all get that. Oh, yeah, that is yeah. nice. Yeah, because it's just an ability. It's not a command ability. They just do it. They just go mental if an ogre runs away. Oh, rerolling hit and wound rolls, too. That's You're going to hit with almost everything at that point. Yeah. With the threes by threes. Oh, that is good. Well, it's mm-hmm. re-roll ones. Re-roll hits. Oh, re-roll ones. Right. But the thing is, if you've got spine marrow off on them, they're hitting on twos anyways. Rerolling right. ones with multiple attacks from the uh, rib cracker yep. or whatever it is. So but, Yeah, if you put bloodbath on them and rib cracker, they're hitting on twos, and they've got four attacks apiece. And they're re-rolling the ones. And they're re-rolling ones. So they're probably hitting with everything. Oh, nice. Yeah. So good. Yeah, like, They'll vaporize a block of 40 models, no problem. There's very few monsters that can stand up to that. Like, they'll they'll one-shot uh, the biggest lizard man stegosaur in one go. Like, they're, they, they're awesome. That'll even start to chew through the people who, who are taking their, you know, uh, three-up re-rollable ethereal amulet. A, you know, amulet enough damage they're, they're, it's going to get through if you can get enough of these through oh that's well, just... and each one is three that's yeah. the thing you only need a handful of them to get through and it's it's toast it's so nice yeah <laughs> sorry goodness so yeah iron guns phenomenal all right so gorgers come running in um their save is for garbage but their bravery is some of the highest in the game yeah um, and they have the ogre keyword, so they also have ten bravery if they're eating. Yeah, and they move eight. So I don't know. I can't be convinced. Alex, can you tell me if these guys are good? I just haven't been able to make gorgers work. I think the big thing is understanding what they can fight against 
and how you use them. Um, you can take them in units, which is really where the catch is to take 15 wounds at bravery 10 in a unit of three guys. They can set up um, in reserves in ambush and at the end of your first movement phase you have to set them up on the battlefield more than nine inches away from any enemy unit so they're popping up wherever you want it's just a matter of what options you have if you can get them into the back line or even in front of something just to like chaff it up because it's still going to take a lot to put this guy in the ground um and then he gets to reroll charge rolls just flat out by nature of the unit. So they pop up nine inches away. They reroll charge rolls. They may not get it, but they might. Um, so yeah, you're if doing... you're looking to cast something up, then yeah. even if they fill the charge, it doesn't matter. They're in the way. Yeah. So it just, again, depends how you use them. There are other things in this list that do a similar function, possibly better. But because he has the gut busters keyword, he does benefit from a lot of the buffs. So... Okay. Um, Alex, lead belchers. Yes, please. <laughs> um, so this is the only unit in the book. Um, <laughs> so their gun is a 12-inch shot, uh, D3 attacks, 4s by 3s, run 1 damage, 1. In combat, it's also run, or 2 attacks, 3s by 3s, run 1 damage, 2. So it's not a slouch unit in combat. Um Big rule is that if it doesn't move, the attack's characteristic goes up to D6 instead of D3. So then when you put this with underguts, you're looking at 18-inch shot, D6 each, at 4s by 3s, run 1 damage 1. So you can put out a lot of firepower, and these things are cheap as chips, um, as well as a battle line option if your general is a gut buster general. Because you can only take you can take units of two as your battle line, and that's it. Okay. Hmm. So, I really like them just because I look at this book and the one I want to play is Underguts. So I'm going to gravitate to this one. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and then the Iron Blaster. Um, Chris, you want to take this one? I don't know, man. This is another unit that I've been kind of struggling with, again, because it's got random damage. <laughs> so at least now you've got two ways to shoot it. You can do a cannonball or a hail shot. So it's either a 24-inch range for the cannonball or 12-inch for the hail shot. You got one shot with a cannonball. It's fours and twos, minus two rand, but D6 damage. See, if it was flat six, I'd be all over it, or like four even. But the fact it's D6, I know me, and I'll roll ones and twos. So I've got this kick-ass thing doing one or two points of damage a turn. Who cares? Man-eaters with pistols are more effective. Uh, the hail shot will do six shots, threes and threes, minus one rend and one damage each. I almost like that more. Um, and then, uh, I don't know... To put it in combat seems a little bit weird, too. Like, it's not super smashy. Uh, if there's just... And again, I'm just talking about one. I'm sure if you have, like, three of them or whatever, it would be better. But to... I I don't know, man. This is a unit that can't stand on its own. You have to compile it with, like, 
the specific Ma tribe to make it work, and even I don't know spells. Just the the random damage is what bugs me. You'll lose me anytime that you got to roll dice to to define your your damage characteristic. Gotcha. Uh, what do you think, Alex? So the big, well, again, I think this is more prevalent for underguts, um, but it also has a massive threat range. It's deceptive because it can move, shoot the 24 inches. It's an ogre, so it can get hungry. So it's got a 33-inch threat range with that shot. So it can do damage, but again, the basic four to hit is rough. Yeah, dude. So I think this is one of those things that you don't take a single. You have to take at least a double to do one pretty much guaranteed hit unless you're taking underguts. So, I mean, it's cool. It's fast. It can get in the way of things. It does have a big base. So if you do the Tokyo Drift, you can block up a big chunk of board space. But I don't know. They're cool. They're definitely better in underguts, but. That's just their thing, is they like lead belchers and iron blasters. So hmm. So he says they're okay, but you got to have it in the right list. Yeah. I think yeah. lead belchers are great just because you can take them in units two for cheapest chips, comparatively speaking, battle line. So. Yeah. And again, listeners, I'm looking at this strictly from a pure, like, gut busters point of view. So, so whenever I'm like on a unit, it's only because it doesn't work for how I like to, to, to play. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. As long as you own it, man. Yeah. All Ooh. right. All right. So we've so got, uh, we got two more in the, uh, gut busters category and then we'll break. All right. Uh, scrap launcher. This is bravery five. The only thing with lower bravery than this is the knoblars themselves. Um, it's got that minimum range to toss. It's got a six to thirty-six inch range on the uh, launcher. Three attacks can do up to D three damage. Uh, then you got seven attacks, but that's five by fives because they are little weedy knoblars. Um, plus one to hit and increase the damage characteristic to D six if the target unit has ten or more models. So you're hitting on twos, wounding on fours, and D and D six if it's a big unit, because of course it makes more sense because they're chucking crap everywhere. Yeah, uh, and then plus one to damage with the Rhinox if they charged. So Rhinox sharp horns are D three, so it'd be D three plus one. But yeah, uh, this once we talked about this in the lore section. I like this more in theory than on the table. And I love the yep. look of that model. Um, this is really themey and cutesy, but not. I don't know. Mm. Not, okay, go ahead, Alex. That's why you're. That's why you're the guy. So there's a battalion that can take this thing. Okay, the junk multiple mob. the junk mob um, that makes this thing actually relatively viable. Plus, it's also a very cheap battalion because it's at a minimum. One unit of Noblars and one Scrap Launcher. Oh, well, there you go. So when we talk about the battalions, that might work. Yeah. Um, and then the Noblars themselves. The only thing in this book that's one wound apiece, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, their bravery for the let's see. Um plus one to the attack if they have ten or more models so they can have up to two attacks apiece. Yeah, they got nerfed. Yeah. Cause yeah, because it used to affect the shooting attack too. Well, yeah, and it, there was no cap on it. So you could have forty noblars and they would have four attacks apiece. Oh, okay. So yes. it's for every ten models. Now it's just ten or more. Yeah, I used to call them the L.A. Riot because they'd march up and throw 5,000 bottles at whoever was in the way. <laughs> yeah, uh, these, I mean, <sighs> Noblars, I mean, are they just, yeah, okay, they're, they're 100 points for 20, 270 points if you want to take a mob of 60. So, I mean, I just... I mean, are these guys even worth taking unless you just want something to grab an objective or run? I mean, because you can take no. 20 for 100 points, but they just die or run away. Yeah, 100% no. I just can't find a spot. 100% for yes. Yeah. See? So it's also just because your guys count as 2 or 10 doesn't mean you still don't need a lot of models. And these guys are cheap. For a hundred for models, twenty, like I said, hundred for twenty. So you use this as your screen to prevent your important stuff from getting charged. And with the iron guts having the two inch reach, they can swing over these little guys. Same with the regular gluttons because of the twenty five millimeter base. Um, but you can get more in with the iron guts, keep them safer, and. Take it from there, especially when you get that bonus pile-in move um, with one of the uh, command traits that we talked about. Drop of the red stuff. Yeah. So uh, so as a screen, these are useful. As a screen and as just an objective cap, or like how Braska had said, where you just make them into battle shock and let them just sit there. And you have to chew through all 60 wounds of that Noblar meatloaf. Yeah, like you could sit them. They could play bodyguard for the butcher on the uh, vortex. Yeah, or even just you get the tire, make them immune, and then bail, and then they just hang out. Yeah, and just with the amount of alpha strike that still exists in the game. Yeah. So okay, you- kill this massive wall of noblars at two hundred and seventy points that covers my entire army, and then by the way, you're exposed, and I'm going to come hit you. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I have so many of these. That's why I was asking. I haven't Ugh, painted dude. them, but I have so many of them. Contrast, bro. I know. Of, of course. That's all I do now. That's just, that's mad. It's like magic. Um, I miss the, I miss the trappers. I miss the guys who could set up little traps and stuff like that. Well, they still have it. They still have that rule, yeah. Yeah. But it's not as good. Right. Um. So this one you get to roll dice for each enemy unit that is within three inches of a model from this unit after that enemy unit finishes a charge and on a six that unit takes D3 mortal wounds. You can theoretically do layers of Noblars and try to hit this as many times as possible. That seems like a real tall order to try to fish for D3 mortal wounds when they get charged. Yeah. Yeah. So now that is all the gut Buster units. Did we want to before we take uh, another break? Did we just want to talk real quick about the? Because uh, there's what there's five 
battalions that you can take for these guys. Do we want to talk about those real quick before we sure. before we finish yeah. it up? Since I mean, since it's split so easily, that's what we got. So back yeah. to page mm-hmm. ninety-eight here. Um, now the war glut is taking what all the battalions. Yeah. And so I don't know how useful these this is. This is ten, obvi- ten million billion points. <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah, you're not. This is. It, they always have this. That's the. It's the all battalions battalion, and it's never in a, any sort of a match play game. This is like if you collect this and want to take on the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to play Age of Sigmar for the entire weekend and a bit of Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. I mean, it's not bad at the start of your hero phase. Uh, oh, start in the first battle round. Oh, so okay. So you can move extra decent. Yeah, I'm not taking it. Okay. It's bad. Go on. <laughs> All right. So um, I tell you what, since I'm completely clueless, I'll read through it, and you two can tell me what it's good and not. Tyrant's Gut Guard. A Tyrant, zero to two Iron Blasters, one to three Iron Guts. I'm I'm guessing, Chris, this is your particular battalion. Since No. 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 I'll tell you why. Keep keep, keep going. So, Roll a dice each time you allocate a wound or mortal wound to a tyrant within three inches of iron guts. On a four-up, that's negate. So um, then the unit of iron guts takes a mortal wound. Yep. That's my problem with it. Wait. Oh, that's weird. So basically, yeah. So it's kind of like the dead thing. Yeah, you have a four-up, um, you know, uh, absolute save, but then that wound goes to the iron. Oh. Yeah, so they basically jump in the way. I hate that. Yeah, me too. I mean, uh, it's good if you got something that's hordish, but something like this, that's, I mean, unless you can keep healing them, that's going to get dangerous real fast. Yeah, and pound for pound, my iron guts do more killing than the tyrant does. Like yeah. I'll trade, I'll trade my tyrant dying to keep the iron guts on the table doing their thing any day of the week. Like okay. he's, but he's not iron guts cool. Thoughts, Alex? He speaks the truth. <laughs> yeah, uh, he has spoken. All right, uh, the Gormand, a slaughter, a slaughter master, one to three gluttons, one to three lead belchers, and a unit of iron guts. Uh, the Slaughtermaster can use the Great Cauldron ability twice in each hero phase instead of one. Oh, Love it. that is really pretty good. Yep. So, yeah, you can screw up and actually end up taking damage from bad meat because you are pulling more co- more often out of it. But you can also heal those back uh, when you start casting magic yourself. But having two opportunities to pull the plus one to hit out of the cauldron is the goods, or pulling it twice and then you can make two units have plus one to hit is huge. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Big fan. And plus, uh, those are kind of standard things you would be taking in a gut buster list anyways. So it's not even like you're really paying any kind of tax. Not true. You know, you're going to have gluttons. You're going to have uh, iron guts. You're... You know, you may or may not want to take lead belchers, but when you're only taking a unit of two, they're a good little chaff unit. So, so what? Take them. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's this once again super cheap. That's that's an eighty point unit right there. If you just want it, just if you're just using it to fill it out to fill out the uh, to fill out the the battalion. 
All right, the butcher's band. A butcher, one to three gluttons, one to three lead belchers, one iron guts. And I mean units, obviously. Uh, start of the hero phase, heal a wound to each friendly unit in this battalion within 12, wholly within 12 of the butcher. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. I like the Gormon better, but uh, it's not bad. And again, if you're looking to have like a two-drop army, it's pretty easy to have both of those uh, in one list. Oh, that's true. Yeah, because the minimum size on each one of these is so small. Yeah. Cool. Oh, and there's that junk mob. One to three knob, one to three units of knoblars and one to two scrap launchers. Plus one of the attacks for the piles of old scrap on the scrap launcher if they're within three inches of a knoblar units that have 20 or more models. So, okay, so plus one to the attack characteristic. The big thing is you can drop 180 models at once if you pay into it. No, oh, yeah. If you really buy all them knoblars, yeah. If you bought and paint up 180 knoblars, that's... This will probably be about 1,100 points-ish by the time you add in the scrap launcher and the battalion. But that's 180 models on top of your ogres. So, Or even just at a minimum, it's a scrap launcher and you know, the knoblers, and that's only like 400 points between the scrap launcher, the knobs, and the battalion. So it's an extra command point. It's an extra artifact. Like It fills a lot. But the Gormand or the Butcher's Band, you're probably going to take one of those anyway because you'll have all those requisite things. So, again, if you want to get it down to maybe like a three drop or something and actually have a body count, you can easily end it the Junk Mob. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, that is literally everything for the... Uh, gut Busters. For the Gut Busters. So all we have left uh, is the... Um, Beast Claw Raiders, which is still a bunch of stuff. But uh, let's take a break, and we'll handle it when we come back. Chris, I think you have to go. Not that I'm I'm not giving you the bums rush. I got got some late-night work I got to catch up on, but I don't know much about Beast Claw stuff anyway, so I'm not going to be much help. Hey, no worries, man. Thank you so much for for coming on and doing this with us. Yeah, no sweat. Always a pleasure, guys. Uh, I'm looking forward to using all of this against you guys at Wapaka next weekend. <laughs> uh, I will see you then. Of course, by the time this comes out, I am literally guessing that this half of the episode may not come out till after Wapaka. Only, but it, either way, I will see how that goes. Right on. All right. Thanks a lot, Chris. Thanks, no problem, Chris. man. Thanks for having me. And we'll talk to you soon. And folks, we will be right back. This is Brian Blessed, and you're listening to Garish Hammer. We are back. And, uh, all right, uh, and thanks again to Chris for coming on and talking lore and gut busters um, before he had to go. Mm-hmm. So now we're on to the Beast Claw Raiders half of this stuff. And, um, okay. <laughs> We start off with six different uh, guys. Stone horns or thunder tusks. Guys on rides, yeah. So just for expedience sake, when we talk about the mounts, we're just going to do it in the Frostlord section. Um, and then there's a couple differences just based on the 
guys writing the uh, particular critter. Right. So, and then that'll just go through expediency, and then we can get to the rest of the units because it's actually not a lot of units. No, it's just repetition of the big beasties. Uh, this honestly, I'm go- as I was going through this, it reminded me of when we covered the uh, fire slayers. And it's like all different sorts of guys that can ride on the Magma Droth and then like three units or four units. And yeah, that's kind of how it feels. I mean, because I think, what is there? There's, I think it's six units. There's like six guys. Yeah. There's six guys riding a beastie and then there's six other units. Mm-hmm. So, okay, let's do this then. Let's start yeah. Frost Lord on Stonehorn. Yeah, and then there is no difference in the Frostlord and Stonehorn and the Frostlord on Thundertusk in that profile. So we're just going to talk about the Frostlord in general, and then we'll talk about the critter he's writing. Uh, so the Frostlord, the only thing that he does, he's got a basic punch and kick attack, um, but his Frost Spear is four or four attacks, threes by threes, run one damage, three. So he can kick out a lot of damage, and it's a two-inch reach, so he can attack over things. Nice. So, but that's all he contributes to this profile, aside from the command ability, um, which is the same regardless of the mount. Uh, so you can use it at the start of your charge phase, and if you do so, you pick a model with this command ability, and until the end of that phase, you can reroll charge rolls for Beast Claw Raiders that are wholly within twelve of him when the charge roll is made. And so that's there's some another order of operations. And that's another. That's a big 12 inches because that he's got such a large – he's a larger base. Yeah, he's 120. Yeah, so that uh, you could – that's there's a lot of room to get your guys in there. Yeah, the only thing is it's kind of a risk-reward because you get to re-roll it, so you're going to likely do more impact hits if you can get a higher number, but – you may not need to use the rerolls depending on the charge, so it may be a wasted command point. So it's kind of like a risk reward. True, but if you do have a bu- if you have a couple of units, especially you know they're around and one's to the front, a couple to the side, they're going to be a little farther back. I mean, it's not that it's not too bad. It's not great uh, uh, as far as different abilities go. But realistically, as long as you have to reroll one charge, you've paid for it. Yeah. So now not- let's look at the beastie. Yeah, this is the important part. <laughs> um, I hate to say it. Uh, so regardless of the stone horn, they all have the same profile. Um, a varying degree of horn attacks at fours by threes, rend two, damage three, starting at six and going down to two. Um, so that's quite a lot of damage. Yeah. Um, the crushing hooves are D6 attacks, always threes by twos to fours, depending on how much damage, rend one, D3 damage. So that's a really nasty profile. And if um, they charge, that's uh, that becomes four damage and D3 plus one damage. Yeah, if he makes a charge move, and that's just on the stone horns attacks. So right. the horns and the hoops. Yeah, but that three and D3, I mean, <laughs> dude, six attacks, fours by threes at Ren 2, damage four? That's, that's just, that's crazy. And that's not including the impact hits. Oh, that's right. Oh, boy. I'll lose to this army again. I always lose to Beast Claw Raiders. I don't know why I can't beat them. It's usually because I'm playing someone who's running three three big things. 
And when we talk about it, that is something that is very common with beast claws. Oh, yeah. Now, their stone skeleton rule changed quite a bit because it used to be, at first it was you half the damage that it takes every time. And then it became you half the damage characteristic of the weapon that hurts you. But now it's just anytime you take a wound or mortal wound, you get a five up ignore save. You got a five up absolute save. Yeah, yeah, and it's got a three plus save on top of it, so a three up, five up. Um, if your realm of death make a material, it's always a three up, always a five up. <sighs> I, I can I say I hate that special item. I'm just yes, throwing it out there it several times. Uh, I mean, I know it's. I mean, it sucks when you've got when you're fighting against armies that have ethereal as a rule. But just now, anybody can just jump in. Oh, I've got my three up rerollable with a five up save after that, and it's all it's all got the the amulet means you can't. Oh, especially that Skaven Lord man. I forty seven. Uh, forty seven wounds. Save him. Oh, okay. I saved them all. Oh. Ugh. So the big thing with the ethereal amulet is it's on the most offensive model that they can put it on realistically. That's always where it goes. And that's what makes it feel the worst. Yep. Like there are some armies that would actually suffer from taking it, but it's the things that have like these big massive monsters that it really gets harsh. Yeah. So. And hey, I would I, I would take it. I'm not saying I wouldn't. It's really good, but it's one of those things that it's like, oh, that is so good. It, it any you know, I'm I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of the auto include, and it feels like an auto include when you have something like this. Yeah, I think there's a lot you're giving up though, and if you're taking one of the one of the mod tribes, you'd have to fit in a battalion. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, maybe not this particular. I'm just just big guys like you know, guys with low rerollable saves that get that. It's like I would stick it on there too. You'd go be a fool not to. But yeah, oh, depends so... on the depends on the character because you would never put it on a Star Drake. Um. No. So. Yeah, I, I guess. All right. Anyway. So now that Frost Lord on the, uh, the Stone Horn. Now, if he jumps on a Thunder Tusk, his stats don't change. Mm-hmm. But the Thunder Tusk does. Oh, by the way, they are 13 wounds, 9 bravery, and a 3-up save. And they Now, the Stonehorn can move a lot quicker. It can move up to 12 inches. The Thunder Tusk can only move 8. Yeah, but then you add in its Ogor unit, so it's hungry. So Oh, oh wait, so that other one can move uh, 14. Oh, jeez. Move 14, and then if you combine it with some of the other things that we've talked about... Um, where it can add distance to the charges, um, this, that, and the other thing. Like, you can get on somebody so really quick, because a lot of the deployments are 18 inches apart now. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's why the Alpha Strike-type Beast Claw list, I think, has a lot of legs to it. Yeah. Because you're hungry, so you're going to get there a lot quicker. And a lot of people, when this book came out, they're like, I can't run in charge of the Stonehorn anymore. You no. don't need to. But you don't need to. Yeah, I heard I, 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 a lot of beef on the internet against this book with the changes. And I'm, I'm looking through it going, I don't see what the problem is here. Well, you lost guy. your really cool thing, but then you got all these other you know, little buffs here that really make it so good. So here, let's go through this. Um, take it. Go for it. So 
his the attacks profile for the Thunder Tusk is four attacks, two in reach, threes by starting at twos, going to fours, uh, ren one damage d three. So it's not amazing uh, as far as combat. Mm-hmm. He does have a couple of neat rules. Uh, he has numbing chill, so you subtract one from hit rolls made with melee weapons that target him. So he's automatically minus one to hit. If you do one of those items, it gives you another minus one to hit. So you're suddenly minus two to hit him in combat. Uh, So that's pretty nasty. Um, And then he's got a missile weapon. Now, what this thing used to do is it just did on a two plus, you did X many mortal wounds. And it was a sliding chart based on... Oh, that's right. It started at six mortal wounds and then dropped to D6. Oh, that was yuck. So, but the thing that a lot of people were griping about, because at six mortal wounds, you can auto-snipe a lot of characters Uh because of the distance. And just a two-up for six mortal wounds, it's not a traditional defined shooting attack because it has no to-hit roll, so it doesn't get modified by lookout, sir. Oh, that's right. So... It's just like, okay, I'm going to pick one of your little characters, and dead. Um, Now it's got an interesting little thing. Um, So it's an 18-inch range, and instead you pick an enemy unit within 18 inches that it can see and roll the number of dice shown on the table above, and it goes from 12 to 4. Okay. Add 1 to each roll if the target unit has 10 or more models. Add 2 to each roll Instead, if the unit has 20 or more models, and for each six up, that enemy unit takes a mortal wound. So, going against single characters where you used to just kill them, you're probably only going to do about, at least in the beginning, uh, and two that might wounds. get worse, about two wounds. Which, you know, sniping out, I've, I've had that happen. It's, it's just not fun to play against the, what was I playing, two, two Thunder Tusks and a Stonehorn? I it was probably three Thunder Tusks and a Stonehorn. It was ugh, it was just not fun. I mean, and I get it. It's cool and it's effective and it does a lot, but ugh, it was just not fun. Um, but here, yeah, you can get if and against little hordes, I get a dozen dice hitting on fours, so you can get that up to that six. And if you're lucky, if you get a really stupid roll, you, you can, can do a lot more. Yeah. But the thing is, it's now it becomes a horde killer because um, if you go pure. Beast Claw. Your Mornfang only count as two models for controlling objectives. Okay. This and then their your monsters count as ten, but you're still gonna suffer comparatively speaking. It's like a gut buster or something where you have multiple models in the unit besides like increments of two to eight. So this helps even out the objective game if you can do six mortal wound or six mortal wounds to these big units and start chipping them off. Okay. So there's definitely a plan to this. Yes. See, uh, this, it just seems like this book is so much better balanced than the original Beast Claw Raiders book or any of the ogre stuff that was just sitting around in the old the old uh, Grand Alliance book. Like, it, Well, it picked up the stuff in the Grand Alliance, and then the Beast Claw book itself, it took the one thing that was obnoxious and turned it on its head. And the rest is fine. Yeah. And like I said, the ability to combine these two and make one, you know, put it, it's just, just like, like it, I said this at the end of the year, it, like the, like the uh, orc book. It's once you put these two halves of this army back together again, it doesn't need to have any really gross stuff. It's just can be really fun and effective, you know? 
mm-hmm. not ridiculous, but fun. It's kind of balanced. I kind of like you. that. <laughs> I know. I'm a crazy man. All right, so there's the Frost Lord. Now, if we don't take the Frost Lord, we might take the Hoosguard. And the Hoosguard, now, a little less brave, only eight. little less tough, only 12 wounds. And he's only got a four-up save. Um, now, his Stonehorn and his Thunder Tusk are exactly the same, right? Yeah, the creatures themselves are the same. Um, it's just the characters themselves have different profiles. Okay. Um, so the Huskards, regardless, he's got punches and kicks, and these are the only attacks that he himself has is three attacks, threes by fours, no rend, one damage. So not too impressive. No, it's definitely the critter that does the work. Okay. Um, the Huskard can take a harpoon launcher or a chain trap. Um, so the or it's a harpoon launcher. A chain trap or a blood vulture. Uh, harpoon launcher is a tw- twenty-inch shot. Fours by threes, no rend, D three damage. Okay. Um, chain trap, twelve-inch reach, one attack. Fours by threes, no rend, three damage. And then the blood vulture, and this is an option for a lot of other things uh, on the critters. If you have a blood vulture, you get to at the start of your shooting phase, you pick an enemy unit within thirty inches of the model that it can see. And roll a dice, and on a two plus that unit suffers a mortal wound. It used to be that you would pick two f- two enemy units and roll a die, and it was some random chance on which one the bud vulture hit. Oh, that's right, because you sent it that way, but you didn't know exactly. You can't control it once it takes off. Yeah, but now they changed it. This way, you can control where it lands. It's on a two plus, so here's your character sniper, but it's only one wound at a time. Okay. Interesting. Now, the Huskards have different things. So the one on the Stonehorn has the Linebreaker's Command ability. Um, this used to be just an ability um, that he had when he fought a pack of Mornfangs with an X-Many Inches, got to fight right after him. Mm-hmm. So now it's just a command ability, which you use at the start of the combat phase. Um, if you do so, you pick a friendly Mornfang unit that made a charge in the same turn and is wholly within 12 of the Huskard. And if you use that unit's Mornfang charge ability in that phase, you add two to the damage inflicted by attacks made with that unit's tusks. Instead of one. one. Oh, that's right, because it gets to plus one on the because of the charge. Oh, okay. Yeah, the Mornfang charge gives them plus one damage on the tusks mm-hmm. um, when they charge, but now it's plus two, so they do damage three on the charge with the tusks. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, so it's an extra pip of damage, um, but it is a bit situational. You have to be close to it, and the unit has to have made a charge move. So, um, but no, it's still really good. can do a lot of work. Um, no, the Huskard on... Oh, go ahead. No, see, when he jumps onto the Thunder Tusk, suddenly he's got all sorts of stuff going on here. These, I mean, he's still got the same choices. He's pretty much the same. But yeah, Thunder, he's exactly the same. Thunder Tusk still has the Frost Wreathe Ice. It's still numbing chills, so it's minus one to hit. But then he gets Blizzard Speaker. Well, I kind of like this. In the hero phase, chant one of the prayers. Uh, how you, you pick a prayer, roll a die, plus one... 
to the roll for each under-friendly thunder tusk within 18 inches. And on a four-up, the prayer is answered. So plus one to the roll. So if you have like a trio of thunder tusks and they're within Even 18 two. inches, that's that's on a two then. Yeah, if you have three thunder tusks, you'd add plus one for each. Yeah, so it comes to a two plus. So what are the prayers? You pick them. Uh, either Winter's Endurance, uh, Friendly Beast Claw Raider Unit, wholly within 18 inches of this model, heal D3 wounds. Or Winter Strength, same deal, but until the start of your next hero phase, plus one to wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons by that unit. I kind of like the strength better. I mean, I mean, healing D3 is good, but plus one to wound on all those attacks, especially if you throw in a, a Mornfang pack goes charging in there. Mm-hmm. That could be kind of brutal, can it? I think so. It can be, um, but you'd have to combine a Hoosguard on a Thunder Tusk with a Hoosguard on a Stonehorn, um, and those are each expensive models, plus an expensive unit to Mornfang. Oh, that's true. That's the issue... Out of options with the beast claws because the monsters are so expensive. Yeah. Hmm. So, but it's one of those things that it's like you can. the The trick is you can do these prayers as many times as you have priests to cast it. They're not like the ones you get to pick. Oh, okay. At least I'm pretty sure I'm going to double check that before and I misspeak. Face the model can chant one of the prayers. If it does so, pick a prayer and make a prayer roll. I don't see anything about. Excuse me. Oh, it's no, it's the Everwinter prayers. It's only the special ones that they get to pick. So, but the thing is, you can if you have three Thunder Tusks on the table, you can pick a unit and heal it three d three wounds on a two plus three times. Could you? Or so three times on a two plus. So on average, you're going to put what is that like nine to ten wounds back? Uh, nine to eleven. Well, three d three. Nine to eleven, or six to. Oh, yeah, you'd average six. Yeah. On a good one, you'd get nine. Yeah, if you're so Broska, you put, you'd get three. Exactly. But if you're doing that to a Thunder Tusk that is notoriously hard to get wounds off of in general. Oh, that yeah, that would suck. Oh, look, yeah, I got so, half of your wounds down. Oh, I just put all of them back. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, because it doesn't say that you can't pick the same unit multiple times. So you could do multiple winter strengths, multiple winter endurances. So I could, if I had three of these thunder tusks, like you just said, I could literally get plus three to wound. Yeah, because it doesn't say that it doesn't stack unless it's in the FAQ that it doesn't stack. I mean, a lot of these things wound on threes anyway. No, it's the uh, melee weapon, so it's threes and fours. One or two of those, I'm seriously, wounding on twos for some of this dumbness? Mm-hmm. Oh, I just gave it to the Frost Lord. His four attacks, hitting on threes, wounding now. Well, just one of them, wounding on twos. And heck, you know, if someone's got that minus to hit, like all your eel people, <laughs> I could throw two of those on here and negate one of that and still get it down to a to uh, working on a two. Yep. Oh, yeah, I like that. I mean, it, you got to run three Thunder Tusks. I ain't putting together three Thunder Tusks. I ain't doing it. But I think nope. you see what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I think you get me. Yep. So, okay. I like, so, okay, tell me. Is there, is, what's the, what am I choosing here? When I, I've got all these, and in fact, because th- those are the heroes, right? Because at least I'm going to get at least one of these guys if, if I'm running, if I want to run the big beasties. 
because these are the heroes. Because I'm the. Should we talk about the Beast Riders first or later? Because they're we not have. heroes. Um. So these are just the units, uh-huh. um, and they are battle line. If your general's Beast Claw, okay. So they lose the Behemoth. Right. Um, they're only seven bravery, twelve wounds, and a four up save. Oh, and they're literally the same. In fact, they're they got a few more punches and kicks. It looks like, and that's it. Yeah, but it's fours and fours, not threes and fours. Um, and then they have they have two guys on them. One has to take a harpoon launcher, and the other one gets a chain trap or a blood vulture. Okay. There's literally no difference. That's why we covered the mounts in with the characters. Oh yeah. Oh, I just I'm, you're right. I'm looking this over. Yeah, the the beast riders. They're just a couple of gluttons riding on a riding on a beastie. Yeah, they're worse than gluttons, but that's yeah. Yeah, you you ain't kidding. Okay, so th- we that's that's your six beastie choices. You, Alex, understanding this game as you do, if you were writing a list and you were uh, obsessed with the beasties, how would you do this? Because everything seems kind of good. I but I don't like I don't know what I don't know what to do with this. Sure, uh, Frostlord on Stonehorn. Okay. Um, I think is the easy way to start. Um, or a Huskard on Stonehorn. Because that Linebreaker's command ability is mega. Um, if you're going to be taking a lot of Mornfang. Okay. Um, so that's probably where I would start. And then the Huskard tours on... Uh, what do you call them? Thunder Tusks. Their prayers make them a lot more viable. Um so that's what I would do. How many would you take? It. Would you take two or would you? Cause I, like I you would. Said, with the points cost, if you're investing heavy in a bunch of these, you, there's not a lot of points left. So you really got to sort of maximize. So how would you, what would you do? Either the ethereal stone, either the ethereal frost lord on stone horn. Um, and then, Two or maybe three Huskards on Thunder Tusks, or a Hunter as my general, and a Huskard Tor on Stonehorn. A Hunter as your general, mm-hmm. and a Huskard on the Stone, one Huskard on the Stonehorn, and that's it. And then a lot of Mornfang and Cats, if I was to do it. Um, although, honestly, I would probably play something a little closer to Winterbite, so it'll be all. Uh, thunder tusks, yetis, and cats. Interesting. And what's the what's the idea behind that? Because it's cool. Okay. <laughs> no, but I'm saying if you just one hunter and then the one we talked about how multiple thunder tusks do this, that, and the other, and and it's great. Um. So how do you like? If what's, you do what's the play multiple, here? if you're going with a hunter, yeah. If and you just do multiple, one. um. <laughs> I would probably do the Hunter one and then at least two Huskar tours on Thunder Tuskas um, because they have a lot of benefits for the Yeti. So, or even just, yeah, depending on the points difference between a Thunder Tusk tour or a Thunder Tusk Huskar and a regular Thunder Tusk. Um, yeah, it really just depends on points. I haven't mathed it out. Okay. But I love that you see this stuff. I love this. Oh, okay. I can see what it is. Uh, Beast Riders are 300. No matter which mount they pick, Huskard mm-hmm. uh, is three twenty on the Stonehorn and forty on the Tusk. Frostlord 
it's the opposite. He's 400 on this, the stone horn, 390 on the tusk. Yeah. Interesting. More expensive. It's because that the better save with the th- with the five up ignore afterwards. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, but see, yeah, you're right. Four of these, you're you're talking, getting close to. Well, you wouldn't take four frost swords on stone horns, but you take one of those and then three of the others. You're talking thirteen, almost fourteen hundred points in four models. Yeah, and that doesn't leave you a lot for does anything. It? No. no. Okay. Because uh, then, how much are the? Because uh, a horn pain pack, two of them is a buck forty. Oh, you're right. Yeah, it, that's. Yeah, you're running a ten model army then. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like it's viable to do something that small. Um, especially if you're doing like boulder head, um, you could do something like that. But I think you get more mileage out of the beast claws if you have a hunter general because he's cheaper. Um, and he unlocks cheaper battle line. I see. I see. All right. Um, oh, okay. As I, it's clicking, and I'm like, I get it. And then all of a sudden, the, like, what you're saying clicks in a little more. And I'm like, oh, wait. Click, 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 click. Now I'm getting it. Doors opening. Insight happening. Yeah. Um. So should we talk about the Icebrow Hunter? We should. Uh, he's pretty awesome. Yeah. I really like the changes that have been made to him. So, all right. Let's talk. He's got all of these things. <laughs> He's got a throwing spear, which is a 9-inch range basic, one attack, 4 by 3 ran 1 damage, D3. Okay. He can run and shoot with it, and if he does so, the damage characteristic goes up to D6, and the range goes up to 18 inches. Because he gets a running start. <laughs> okay. He had this before, and it was good then. So it's one of those things that it's like, okay, he's got a six-inch base move. He's hungry, so he's an eight-inch base move. So at a minimum, if he runs, he's got nine plus 12, 23, or nine plus 18, 27-inch threat range. Oh, that's good. And D6, yeah. Um, Then he's also got a crossbow, which is nothing amazing. It's 12 inches for shooting, uh, 4 by 3, no Ren D3 damage. So he's got a lot of guns comparatively. I mean, it's only two attacks. If you miss, you're screwed, but there's still, I mean, they can can divvy out some hurt. Yeah. Um, He's got a club at 1 inch range. Four attacks, threes by threes, no rend damage two. So pretty standard for an ogre. And then he's got a bite. Yeah, you got the basic it's, bite. Yep. Um, so he's got a couple of different tricks. Um, in his shooting phase, he can also use a icy breath ability. Now, this just happens automatically. You just say you're going to be doing it, but you're using it instead of throwing the spear or the crossbow. Okay. Um, and if you use it, you pick one enemy unit within six that he can see and roll a die and on a four up that enemy unit takes D three mortal wounds. So it just depends what you need to do some work with. Yeah. Okay. And then he's got masters of ambush. Uh, instead of setting him up on the battlefield, you could put him to one side and put him in ambush. 
If you do that, when you set up a friendly Frost Saber unit, instead of setting up that unit, you can say it's joining the model in ambush. One unit can join him. So you, he can go in ambush with one unit of Frost Sabers. Mm-hmm. At the end of your movement phase, you can set up this model anywhere on the battlefield more than nine inches from the enemy. You can then set up any unit that joined him wholly within 12 of that model and still more than nine from the enemy. Any reserve units in ambush that are not set up before the start of the fourth battle round are destroyed. So, okay, so he's got ambush, which is great. He can drop in anywhere nine away, um, and then <laughs> all his beasties are coming in right behind him. Mm-hmm. That's good. I mean, that's anytime you can just teleport in and just, or, you know, just, just drop in, that's always a, a bonus. Yeah, and there's that one command trait for him as a general where he can take two units of saber tusks with him. Okay. What size units of saber tusks are you taking? Um, it depends on how you want to play the game. I'm just saying you got to make sure you can fit both of those units within 12 inches of him and still stay outside of nine of the enemy. Yeah, so they're on cavalry bases. Um, so that's too the bad. 60 millimeter oval. Um, you can get a lot. Okay. Because it got to be holier than 12 of him. So it's 12 feet out in each direction plus behind him. And then nine away. So you can do it if you wanted to play a cat strike list. <laughs> okay. And he does have a command ability. Uh, lead the skull. Start of the combat phase. Pick a friendly frost saber unit wholly within 12 inches. Until the end of the phase, plus one attack for the melee weapons. And the frost sabers have the their elongated fangs, three attacks. So it goes up to four attacks. So if you are playing... A big cat army. That uh, command ability is you know useful, I suppose. It doesn't say you can't stack it. Oh, so that's really useful. You get a few command points, and then you can go from three attacks up to four or five or six. Yeah, and they have tiny fronts because they're on a thirty-five millimeter wide, so you can get a lot of cats around. And plus, they're going to hit whatever they want. Um, we should probably talk about their scroll next, because sure. it is next. Um, the Inherent Cat is a 9-inch move uh, with a 6-up save, 5 bravery, and 2 wounds. So it doesn't sound that great until we get to the rest of it. Uh, it's got 3 attacks, 4s by 3s, ran 1, damage 1. Uh, and these come in packs of 2, just 2, up to 12. And they're 40 points each for each set of two. Do you get any discount when you take 12? No. No. But a unit of 12 of these things is only 240 points. And if you have an Ice Brow Hunter as your general, they're... they become battling. <laughs> So you take the Icebrow Hunter General, and then you take three units of 40-point cats. There's your battle line. Go crazy with the cheese whiz. So you could literally just spend 120 points total on be done with your battle line if you want to take minimums. Yeah. But if you're playing a, a, your, your themey Icebrow Hunter list, you can also take some, some nice uh, slightly bulky... Cause, yeah, if yeah. I'm going to do it, I would probably take one 
12 pack of cats and then two twos. Yeah. Uh, but in a beast, because he's a beast claw raider hero, he would also make, uh, the big stone horns and thunder tusk beast riders battle line. Um, as well as Mornfang. So there's a lot of stuff that becomes battle line just because your general is a beast claw raider. Oh, wait. So you take the Icebrow Hunter, the Frost Sabers, become the Mornfang, the battle line. And the Beast Rider, Stonehorn, and Thunder Tusk are all battle line. Oh, that's. And that's. But that's also in addition to the regular battle line of Gluttons. Okay. Well, that works. So by taking the Icebrow Hunter, you increase the amount of options that you have as your general, which is huge. Well, I mean, you honestly only increase it by one because if you took any of those mounted dudes, they're all Beast Claw Raiders. Yeah. And they still get the same three. Adding this cheap unit of of cats as your your third battle line unit is a huge difference. Yeah. Now, they do have a, a bonus here. They get... Plus three to charges if they're wholly within 16 of the hunter when they make the charge roll. And plus two to the bravery. Okay, so they basically get hungry and feeding bonuses if they're near the Icebrow Hunter, but their charge is even farther. Or no, because they had plus two to the move if they're hungry. These guys get to, to the charge. But it's similar. It is. So you set up nine inches away. On the Masters of Ambush, you get plus three to your charge, so you have a six-inch charge, and if you needed a command point reroll. Right. And your bravery is now seven. Yep. Hmm. And <laughs> if you don't need that, you can then use it for different command abilities, like either plus one attack or uh, reroll ones to hit uh, from the generic ones from the handbook. You could do a big, goofy, themey list with this if you wanted to. You could. All right, so what about them? They're yetis. Well, they are bumbles, um, <laughs> and they bounce. They got so. Their bravery is six. They're a little braver than the sabers. Their movement is still nine. Their save is still six. Oh, that's right. The saber save is six as well. These guys die easy. Uh, but mm-hmm. these ones have four wounds. Um, they only have... Um, well, their claws and clubs, they get three attacks, fours by threes, one rend, damage two. And, uh, oh, they get the Aura of Frost, too, so it's minus one to hit them. And, okay, here's it. If a unit is eligible to fight in the combat, if it's within six instead of three. and it, Okay, so the, the Yetis can actually pile in from six away. Mm-hmm. They get a six-inch pile in. With uh, at a, and a, and a six inch range when they pile in, yeah. That that's actually really that's that's not bad. I mean, there's other things that do good things, but having these guys sort of back there, all of a sudden, it's like, oh wait, they they can jump in from where? Because they can run and charge as long as it's wholly within sixteen. Sixteen of a friendly thunder tusk when the when the roll is made. Um. I don't know if you'd want to do that because you won't be able to use bounding leaps from the charge because when you declare a charge, you have to end half an inch away. Mm -hmm. So 
the bounding leaps actually gets around a lot of things. So like the um, handgunners in the cities of Sigmar, the sisters of the watch in the cities of Sigmar, mm-hmm. um, they get to stand and shoot if they're charged. Okay. These guys run up nine plus D six. And as long as they're within six inches, they pile in, but it doesn't count as a charge. Oh, so they, okay. So you normally can't move within three because that would be considered that you got to stay outside of three and charge. These guys can get between three and six. They're still allowed to get there because the rule is you can't get within three. Mm-hmm. And then they just pile in. Yeah, and they just hop in six inches um, and start clubbing things without any sort of benefit of I've been charged. Huh. So I get X. Um, the other thing is because of that range. There's a lot of things that fight at the start of the combat phase. Yep. That don't get to strike first against them because they're not in range to fight. Oh. Now, granted, that model would get to fight later, but it negates some of it. So the Yetis are not actually that bad. (laughs) They're not. Um, They have a lot of neat tricks, and they also get around the Slaneshi aura. So like the Always Strikes Last aura thing that they have. Um, they get around that because they're not going to end close enough to the character depending on how it's set up. Okay. So if I remember correctly, in the old, 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 back in 8th edition fantasy, the Gorgers did some pretty cool stuff and you never saw Yetis too much. Now it seems to be the opposite. The Yetis got some cool stuff and the Gorgers don't do... Am I, am I recalling this correctly? Um... No, Gorgers are not amazing back in the day either. Um, oh, okay. I took Yetis a lot because the style of army I was playing was multiple small units. So all of my units in that army were, were minimum unit size, so that was three models. Oh, okay. Um, so they were good because they were really, really fast, and they tore up the board. These guys have the same sort of thing. They tear up the board, but they also have like really weird activations. So they have a lot of counters to the things that would normally give them problems. Oh. Or at least stuff to help mitigate, like the stand and shoot. Um, the set defense for if I got charged, I get this. So, yeah. No, I get you. All right. Um, well, let's hit these last three, and then we'll take our last break, and then we'll talk battalions and uh, and everything like that. So... Uh, the Mornfang pack, here they come. Six wounds apiece, they can move nine. Their bravery is only six. Not too brave, but they got a four-up save. It is odd that they have such a low bravery, but, I mean, you can't have everything. It's only bravery when they're not eating, because then they go up to bravery eight when they eat. Oh, that's right. So they're only vulnerable in the shooting, but then if you shoot them, their bravery six with six wounds a model. At a four-up save. Okay. Oh, that is good then. Um, okay, so now the you the your you have a Skalg in your unit. That's the you know the champion in the unit. He gets to also have a pistol. One in every four can be a horn blower, which gives you plus one to charge. One in every four can be a banner bearer, which gives you plus one to bravery. Oh, so you got the banner. You're at seven. Or nine in combat. Uh, yeah. Once you get in there, you're at nine. Okay, that is good. Because, yeah, you'd have to lose four to have a chance 
to even uh, you have to lose. Well, in, if you're in combat, you'd have to get wiped out. Yeah, because you'd be bravery nine. They'd have to kill four. You'd have to have a, a unit larger than four, and if they killed mm-hmm. four, then the unit's gone. So it doesn't matter. Oh right. Well, I'm just saying. If you took, is that the biggest? This uh, you can take a big no. Unit. You can take units, I believe, of eight up to twelve. Yeah, okay, up to twelve. But so if you took a six-man unit and you lost four, that's that. At that point, is the only chance that you would actually. And if you rolled a six, you'd lose one. So that yeah, you put the banner bearer in there, and you get in there and tuck in. These guys aren't going anywhere, are they? No, no, they're not. Um. Okay, so let's see. Um, and they got so many attacks. They do. So you either um, you've got the club or hacker or the gargant hacker. So you got the choice of weapons. Uh, the culling club or the prey hacker. It's uh, three attacks, one inch range, threes by threes, no rend, two damage. Not bad. If you take the gargant hacker. That's a two-inch range, only two attacks, fours by threes, one rend, three damage. So I don't know which one of those is better, to be honest with you. Less attacks, less chance to hit, but you got some rend and it's a little more damage. Mm -hmm. It seems to balance out, really. It does. And then the tusks, they got uh, four attacks, fours by threes, one rend, one damage. Oh, and once again, if they charge, that becomes two damage. And if you use line breakers, it becomes three, three damage. damage. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um. Also, oh, if they have iron fists. Oh, that's okay. So the iron fist is in addition to taking a club or a prey hacker. Right. So the options you have are the club, or the club and an iron fist, or the gargant hacker. Okay. And then if you get the so and then Iron Fist works the same way. If your save uh, is a six and you got an Iron Fist, they take a mortal wound mm-hmm. because you're not just blocking with that big metal fist; you're smacking them with it. Mornfanger's still really good. They they are yeah yeah. I mean I I get why people like to play just Beast Claw Raiders armies. Low model count, lots of stuff, smash and face. I mean, you could conceivably, I mean, these guys can put out uh, three attacks with two damage. That could be six. And then the tusks, if you've got that iron, the line break, and that's three damage, that could be up to 12, up to 12. So you can do 18 damage. And none of this includes impact hits. Yes, per model before impact hits. Now you got to get that perfect roll, and they got to fail their saves. But yeah. one Mornfang model could conceivably do, uh, yeah, eighteen damage. That's so dumb. <laughs> and they're really fast. Yeah. Um. So their movement nine base. You add hungry. That's eleven. Um. If you do Thunderbellies and you can run and charge along the board edges, sets so up to 17 and then you charge. <laughs> and if you're in one of those battle plans where you're 18 inches away, um, Merry Christmas. Yeah, you're in it to win it. All right. 
Now uh, we're down to our last two, and these are like the hangout boys here. They uh, mm-hmm. these are the guys who are not mounted on anything and aren't a crazy monster. Uh, fire bellies and man eaters. Which one should we, do? You want to take the fire belly? Yeah, let's do that one. Okay. Uh, they're only bravery six. They got a five up save, seven wounds. They can move six. Um, they have a hammer and their fire breath and their wizards. Now the hammer, two inch range, two attacks, threes by threes, one rend, d three damage. That's already pretty decent. It's not a lot of attacks, but they're good attacks. Exactly. I mean, threes by threes, yeah, one rend, three three damage is not bad. Uh, they also have that fire breath. It's a six inch range. Pick an enemy in range and roll a die on a four up d three mortals. That's always good. And he's a wizard. He mm-hmm. has, uh, and he's got arcane bolt, mystic shield, and then he's got the cascading fire cloak. That goes off on a six. Uh, if you do it, roll a die for each enemy unit within three inches of the caster on a four up. They take D3 mortal wounds. In addition, if you cast it, plus one to save for attacks that target this model till the start of your next hero phase. So your save goes up to four if you burn everything around you. Yeah, and your cover goes to, if you're in cover, it goes to three. Oh. See, there's lots of little good things here. Lots of little things that stack that you put together. Mm-hmm. Like, is it an amazing spell? No. Um, does it have its uses? Yes. Um, plus, you also get the Sun Eater uh, spell lores that we had talked about earlier with Praska by right. taking the fire belly. So they definitely have a place again. That's cool. I'm looking at oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's good. All right, now let's go with the man eaters, uh, which all have one profile again instead of each of the six different model types having its own profile. Mm-hmm. Uh, four wounds. It, se- it seems low for specialty characters, especially... This with- is a unit. Yeah, oh, it's, oh, that's right, they're units. They're not just one. Um, they move six, they got a five-up save, their bravery is seven. And I'm sitting here, it's just funny, I'm looking at all this stuff in the book, and we get to here, it's like, only four wounds? What is with this guy? I know there's other things in here that have that, but I'm just looking at so many things that have seven, six, thirteen. Yeah, especially right after the Beast Claw section where everything is like massive wound yeah. count. I was like, oh, these guys. Um, okay, so... They have the bite, just like everybody else. Um, their regular attack, depending, you know, whatever weapons they're carrying, uh, four attacks, three by three, one rend, two damage. Not bad. And then they get pistols and throwing stars because you got the ninja one. Well, the ninja, the pirate. But yeah. it, it's every one of them has it regardless of what the model is. Right. But I'm just saying, it just I, I notice how it's not just pistols. They could have throwing things. One attack, threes by threes, one rend, D3 damage. Not bad. Um, where they get the cool stuff is on their special abilities, been there, done that. And I, I like this. After the army's set up, but before the first battle round agains, pick an ability to apply to the unit. So the nice thing about this is it's that toolbox. You can look across the table and be like, this is the thing I'm going to need. Mm-hmm. Uh, reroll ones for attacks that they make with their melee weapons. 
Reroll hit rolls of ones for attacks with missile weapons. Run and charge or no battle shock. When I look at this one, I mean, run and charge is pretty good, but I, I think I like brawlers. I like rerolling the ones for attacks. Especially with how many attacks they have because they have five each. Yeah. Um, the two big ones here are either brawlers or striders. Um, because your bravery seven, which is higher than average, once you get into combat, your bravery nine. So you don't need to be stubborn because you're not taking that many guys. Exactly. Um, the strider run and charge thing with the movement nine is pretty awesome, but or the movement eight plus run and charge. So you've got a big threat range if you take striders. So it just again depends what you're fighting. Okay, interesting. Now that's everything. That's all the units. Um, we've still got the battalions for the Beast Claw for Raiders. The Beast Claw. That's the that's all of it. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> yes, it is. There's a lot of good stuff you could take in here. Let's. Uh, you know what? Let, we need to pause here for a moment, though, before we go any further. Um. Mm-hmm. I would like to take a moment to point out that everything in this book and the book and the Maw Pot and anything else that you might want for this army is available right now at Grognards. <laughs> yes, because there's always the something happening at Grognards. Um, yeah. Now you were there again this weekend, and uh, that you posted that up on our Facebook page. The I did. Um, so at the last tournament I went to, well, kind of a flop tournament. Um, I had done like a scrolling video of the selection of product that the store was carrying because I thought it was pretty impressive. Um, <laughs> that whole and long I thought wall. that for a lot of people, it would actually be interesting to see the types of places that you can go to get stuff and play at. Um, but then you can see it from your phone or your computer and decide if that is the place you want to go. Um, so I did that for Grognards. So I tried to do a pretty low-tech uh, camera phone narration of walking into the store, walking around, mm-hmm. uh, looking at all the different tables that they have there for all the various games that you can play at Grognards, um, as well as their massive selection of product. Um, of multiple game systems, not just Sigmar, not just 40K, um, but they do carry a lot of stuff. Oh, and um, just in case anybody is interested, um, I was walking through the other board game stuff, and they do have a copy of Dune there. They have Dune, the board game, which if you're into that sort of thing, and if you like board games, you should be. Um, like I haven't seen Dune pretty much anywhere, but I've been going around. It's It's... It came out, and it's pretty hard to find. So um, I'm just throwing that out there. I hate to interrupt, but I'm just looking at my copy going, I saw this at Grognards last week. Yeah, and then they have a uh, calendar behind the cash register where you get to see like all the different events that are coming up because there is always something happening at Grognards. Yep. Um, so it's just a massive amount of selection. The staff are all great to a T. Um, if you're in the area or making the trip, like especially for like I don't know Adepticon, uh, you should definitely check out Grognards. Yeah, they're uh, close to yeah, they're close to Adepticon. Yeah, they're too. seven miles. 
yeah. uh, from the Adepticon venue. So if you need something, they're your guys. Um, and they actually have do, do something that I think is really important that not a lot of sh- that not enough shops do, which is table time. Um, if you can do it, uh, they ask that you contribute five dollars just so you can play on their tables. Now, this isn't like you're throwing five dollars away. You're putting five dollars on your in-store account that you can use later as store credit. Yep. The big thing is it's just to keep money coming into the store. So so the lights stay on. And I mean, let's be real. When I try to go to a game store, I always try to buy something. Even if it's like 10, 20 bucks. Like I rarely walk into Grognards and walk out with nothing. Exactly. Um, not just because of the selection and everything like that, but it's just, you want to support your local game stores, right? but you can't always all the time. So if you're going to go in there and play, you throw five bucks into the queue and it's there for you when you want to play for pay for a tournament, when you want to buy the next thing you're saving up for. Um, so you're still contributing to keeping the store afloat, but you're not throwing your money away. Yeah, exactly. Because you don't have to spend it on that visit, do you? No, it'll sit no. in your account until you need it. Right. So it's but just it's, an investment in the store and in your future purchases. It, it's it's. I, I've I've seen other stores, and I'm not going to name them. Um, but there's other stores I know that charge for table time, and it's just a charge for table time. Yeah. Like if you want to play, you got It's like you're you're renting the space. Um. This I don't have a problem with. I really don't. Come in and play. No. And all they're asking is that that you know you you spend if you a, can you spend if a little something there. Yeah, if you can't. Oh yeah, it's not mandatory. No, they it used to be mandatory. Um, and I really think they should have kept it mandatory. Personally, uh, Todd and his crew have a great space, a great setup, and if you're going in there, you should support your local game store, even if it's just five bucks that you get back later. Exactly. Exactly. So, I don't know. It's a great shop and run by fantastic people. So if you're in the area, check them out. They're in Roselle. And and as we like to say here on the show, there's always something happening at Grognards. But, yeah. All right. So just wanted to mention that you can get all of the things we've been talking about in this show at Grognards. Um, so... All right, you know what? Let's jump back and uh, and uh, get onto these uh, battalions and and let's wrap this up because it's getting long, and I'm getting old. So, um, once again, they have the the mega battalion, the All Frosten, where you take a Frost Lord on a Stonehorn or Thunder Tusk, and then one of each of the battalions we're going to mention. So it's all the battalions plus an additional. Frost Lord uh, mounted. And then it's uh, when using the Grasp of Everwinter battle trait and rolling a die for the enemies within three inches, subtract one from the roll. So what was the Grasp of Everwinter battle trait? Let's look at that. That's the D3 mortal wounds if you roll under the turn value. Oh, okay. So, oh, nice. So minus one. So, Okay, I mean that once again. If you're taking this, you're not playing in a tournament with this. This is you. No, this is it's. Uh, it's not tournament legal. No, because it's going to be way too many points. Uh, yeah, it's uh, four, seven minimum big monsters, 
minimum four units of Morn Fang. Yeah, no, this is for the person who is a collecting this army. This is like oh, yeah. this is like my Night Haunt army. Mm-hmm. It's always fun when you like an army and you kind of build it up and you can actually build up to that mega battalion. I yep. mean, you may never get that big game in, or you might, you know, play the whole na- play against the whole neighborhood. But uh, I, I love them in theory. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, so let's look at these. We've got the Jorobad, the Urobad, the Torbad, and the Skull. Um, I'll run through them and you tell me what's good because I totally screwed this up on the last one. So, all right, Jorobad, Husgard on a Husgard on a Stonehorn, one to three. Uh, Stonehorn Beast Riders and two to four more Fang packs. Uh, start of your hero phase in the first battle round. Each friendly unit can move up, uh, make a move a D six roll for each unit. That's actually the Gut Busters like Mega a Battalion ability. Yeah. Um, is this? I mean, they already move so fast. This doesn't seem so sweet. Does it though? Is, I, I said it doesn't. Am I wrong? You are. Oh, um, so they move. Okay, I'm done. I'm no, done. No, hang on. I'm just going to read them. You explain it. Okay. So this is all your battle line if your general is a Beast Claw Raider. Okay. Because it's the one Stonehorn Beast Raider and then the two units of Mornfang at a minimum. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, this allows you to play back because it's at the start of your first hero phase. And because of the cost associated with the units in this battalion, chances are you are not going to be much more than a three or four drop army. Okay. So you get to dictate who goes first. So if you're playing against an alpha strike list, you can outrange them better. And create more space that you can cover because in your first hero phase, you're going to move D6 of everything in this particular battalion which is going to be almost all of your army and then you add their basic movement plus hungry if you're thunderbellies you run in charge with the Mornfang on the sides well, yeah you're all over them huh? yeah so this is good for alpha if you want to alpha strike if you want to alpha um but the other thing is it's also you get the command point you get the battalion drop control and you get the extra artifact Interesting. And it could be as cheap as the one character, the one critter, and two units of two Mornfang if you wanted to go that cheap. Um, I don't know why you would. I wouldn't personally. Um, but you can get your army down to just a handful of drops and get an extra artifact in your army. So it's not – this isn't bad at all. Two to four units of Mornfang. And, okay, so actually you could make that your whole darn army. Almost. Well, I mean, you could do this as a one drop if you just take a singular Huskard on Stonehorn as your general. All right, so the, let's let's add this up. Jorobad's one tw- <laughs> uh, the the battalion's one twenty. Yeah, but I wouldn't. So there's no. You're gonna waste the artifact that you would uh-huh. get if you didn't take another character. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. So you want to so take one two drop. So two At least drop. two drops. So like a Frost Lord and then a Yorlbad. Okay. Yeah, because two to four units of Mornfang 
and Mornfang can get up to uh, what uh, eight hundred and forty points for a twelve Mornfang. I unit. wouldn't take twelve unit. I, what I, I'm just saying is, you can do up to that much. So yes, you could totally make it a character and then max out all your points on this battalion if that's what you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's go to the Eurobad. Uh, again, Huskard on Stonehorn, one to three Stonehorn Beast Riders. Two to, oh, it's the same. It's the exact same thing. It's the same stuff, but different role. Okay. Just like the Thor uh, says. Okay, so on this one, if the unmodified hit roll for an attack made with a melee weapon used by a model from this battalion is six, it does a mortal wound in addition to any other damage. Okay, so sixes are mortal wounds for everything. Unmodified sixes are mortal wounds for everything in the in the battalion. In addition to normal damage. Right. That sounds really good, actually, doesn't it? It is. Um, <laughs> especially, well, if you unless do... Unless you're Braska, because he can't... Unless roll. you're Braska. Um, but the big thing is with the Mornfang, if you put uh, Iron Fists on them, they get more attacks, because it's three attacks versus two with the Gargant Hacker. Um, they do sixes when they hit you, and then if they make a save roll of six, they do a mortal wound back. So you have two routes to get mortal wounds through. Okay. That one seems the more immediately obvious one to me, but then again, I don't, don't know what it I'm is. talking about. All right. Uh, the Torbad. Now the Husguard's on a Thunder Tusk. None of these battalions have Frost Lords, I noticed. I wonder what's up with that. Um, because the organization in the background. Mm-hmm. Says that the Frost Lord exists outside of this, and then this is one of the each one of the arms. Oh, that's right, that's right. Okay, okay, yeah, that's the big hanging little. Yeah, the narrative thing. Right. Okay. Oh, okay, I like that. All right. Uh, okay, so the Torbad, the Husguard's on a Thunder Tusk. Three to nine Thunder Tusk Beast Riders. Nine. And then zero to three units of Yetis. Can you take nine? No, not in a. Well, well I mean, you couldn't do it in in a in a matched play. You couldn't. This, no, because that's bananas. Yes. Nine beast riders. But it'd be those nice frozen chocolate covered ones. That's twenty seven hundred points. Yeah. Okay, uh, I'm just trying to make sure that I can count. So. Um, so you take a whole bunch of beast riders and maybe some yetis at the start of your hero phase, roll a die for each enemy within three <laughs> inches of any units. And on a two up, they take a mortal wound. Uh, so you can't compile it if you got three or four guys, ne- three or four units really close, but you know, is, so how about this one? Is this any good? Uh, so next we have the skull. <laughs> All right, so next we have this. Okay, I was right about that one. I was right for one out of four. All right. Um, oh, no, I said the other one was good, too. No, you were right for two out of three so far. Okay. So let me. So the skull, one to six hunters and two to ten units of sabers. <laughs> Here's your theme nonsense. Plus one to charge for units from this battalion, wholly within 12 inches of another unit from this battalion, which you would almost never be out of range of another unit from this battalion if you're doing this, I'm thinking. Yeah. I mean, plus one to charge. I mean, once again, that's good for the movement. But 
oh man, one to six hunters and two to ten units of sabers. So that's at a minimum one hunter mm-hmm. at his cost, the battalion, and then two units of two frost sabers. So that's eighty. If you wanted to go cheap as chips, um, so you could do multiple skulls if you really wanted to, because this it's so cheap. Um, oh yeah, because that it, okay, the one hunter, the two units of two sabers, and the battalion comes to a whopping three hundred points. So you could do. What is that? Five skulls plus a frost lord on a stone horn. Yeah, or some other big gribbly. Um, and if one of the hunters is your general, then all those frost sabers are battle line. Right, right. You have to have him be a general because yeah, because if you're taking these, and then each of them would have a artifact. Hmm. In fact, in one of them, to not waste it, one of them you'd have to take two hunters in one of the battalions. Or no, you have the Frost Lord. You can give him one of the artifacts. Mm-hmm. Huh. But the whole thing with the battalion is that you add plus one to the charge rolls. So when you ambush your nine inches away, mm-hmm. you get their master's voice on the cats. So they add plus three. Now they're adding another plus one, so they're charging on a five. Okay. Huh. And then because you have the hero nearby with the uh, ability to use run and sh- to reroll the charge roll, um, you're pretty much auto-guaranteeing that the cats get into whatever they want. Um, yeah. And then the hunter will be at a 8 to charge. You know what? Because, as you pointed out, it's so cheap, you could roll this up with some of the gut buster stuff for that for that extra 300 points mm-hmm. you you have a nice little scouting moving around unit yeah huh it's the same thing with like the junk mob when we we're talking about the gut busters with just how cheap it is mm-hmm. to again add drop control add battalions or add a uh, command points and add artifacts interesting and that's all of them. Now I noticed there's none. There there are no battalions that that are mixed. And I, were no. there any in the in the Auric book? Those <laughs> those battalions were were they mixed? Those were all uh, bone splitter or iron jaw or iron jaw. So they were there were no yeah. So the battalions sort of keep the old, you know the the pre book split into the battalions. But that makes sense. It fits to the narrative exactly of how they would organize. Um, so there's nothing saying that you couldn't take a Yorlbad in with Gutbusters or a Skull in with Gutbusters because they're all still a Ma tribe. Um, so it's just a right, but there's no battalions that mix the the two, and the they two. don't really fight with each other as as we talked about in the lore. So it makes sense to not. Yeah, okay, it makes sense from a pure narrative perspective. It makes perfect sense yes um but from like a battlefield like you can build your mod tribe however you want so okay i think that's everything it is thankfully um the only stuff that doesn't exist somewhere in a battalion is the man eaters and the fire bellies and the gorgers okay um, because they don't exist in the traditional structure so that even fits the narrative why they're not included oh all right yeah no, that you're right Oh, okay, that works. 
Um, oh, I just lost something. There we go. Well, okay, I think that's it. I, let's let's wrap up. I'm yeah. tired. Um, before we go, uh, I would like very much to first of all thank Chris for coming on over two recording sessions and staying in for as long as he was able. I mean, that was we put in a good five six hours of recording between those two sessions. Um, and I do appreciate that. Um, but I also really would like to thank uh, our Patreon sponsors. Yes, those of you who are the almost 1% making everything possible here, like the associate producers Phil Elliott, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, and Lance Pear, and our executive producer Colin Miller. And let's not forget once again to thank our newest patrons, Grey Ghost, Matt McCord. Who I said patrons, but it's one person. It's his title and his name. But thank you. And I you. did double check. Grey Ghost was uh, Simon Trent. So. What? So the character of the Grey Ghost. Oh. Was played by the actor Simon Trent in the background of Batman. Oh, okay. I was just like, so what? I was trying to make sure because if his if it was the same thing, then I'd be like, oh, that makes perfect sense. But now I'm curious as to why it's Grey Ghost. Well, uh, hey, Matt, what's up with Grey Ghost? Send us an email or a voicemail. We're curious. Inquiring minds would like to know. I want to know. Um, but thank you all, again, for becoming part of the almost 1% who make everything on this show possible. So, um, all right. So this is probably coming out after PACA because there's no way I'm going to get this all together and edited and put it out before PACA. So if you went to PACA and you were hoping to, us to fill up your five or six hours of driving, I apologize. Um, but we'll be back. We'll be back again in February. Getting closer to my birthday. Um, and as we get into February, what, what, what are the, we got a lot to cover, don't we? This is becoming – this is – okay – I know this is becoming work, all right? And it's not that it I, it's not that I dislike it. I mean, I'm going to read these books anyway. I love the lore. I love this. But God bless America. How many books do we have to cover? I think like seven. Okay, so let's try this. If you're not including reprints, we're looking at the Bone Reapers. Okay, OBR. Cities of Sigmar. Cities. Slaves to Darkness. Slaves. All right. Now those are the three newbies. What else haven't we covered that they've that they've reissued that we've never even gotten back to? On the new version, Stormcast, Fire Slayers, Sylvaneth, Blades of Corn. Really? We've never done those? We did the initial one. We didn't do the new one that came out last year. And we haven't done the new Sylvaneth, and I know we didn't do the new Fire Slayers. Correct. Oh wait, didn't did the Overlords get a new book? Uh, they just got one. Disciples got a new one. So did the Overlords. Okay, so Zinch got a new one and Overlords. So if we count those two in there as well. So we got three new books we haven't covered, which we got to do those first. And then we've got six. Six. When did the Stormcast book come out? Are we just not covering that one again? Like we've um, done like four books. Yeah, so the Stormcast one came out with AOS 2. Oh, yeah. Um, at the same time as Night Haunt. Okay, goodbye. 
I love my Stormcast, but yeah, we're never getting back to that one. I mean, just be honest. Come on. The joke's over. There, in fact, by the time we get through these seven books, there's going to be a new Stormcast book out anyway. It's going to come after the Pointy Elves and the Sylvaneth. And, uh, oh, and we have to do Pointy Elves. Oh, the Pointy Elves. And not Sylvaneth. Because, ugh, I, I, I know that them Seraphon are coming. I just feel it. Rotor's going to get his new book. And, it, and well, well, with Rotor's luck, it's going to be disappointing. But he's, <laughs> I, I just got a feeling. I got a feeling on this one. I know nothing, and I know you can't tell me, so I'm not asking you. But I just got a feeling that that those those, uh, those seraphon are coming. But yeah, pointy elves. So, ugh, so many books. All right, so who knows what we're gonna do next? Um, in fact, if 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 you have an opinion, you are more than welcome to go to our Facebook page and uh, on the. On the post that's announcing this episode coming out, feel free to let us know which book you would like covered the most. Because, you know, squeaky wheels get the grease. So, squeak. My tools, squeak. You are dead silent. That must have come across really poorly, I suppose. It did. Um, <laughs> now it's just processing that. Um, uh, like I said, I'm tired and I'm old. And hard pass, bro. Okay, hey. Do you want to go to Wapaka? We're going. Let's go to Wapaka. All right, folks. We're going to Wapaka. Or by the time you hear this, we're going. We're home from Wapaka. But that's not the point. The point is that only the faithful will be triumphant. Only the faithful will stand when all others fall. And only the faithful know no despair except in failure. You've been listening to Garage Hammer. If you've enjoyed the show... Maybe consider leaving us a positive review on iTunes or check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash garagehammer. If you'd like to reach us, you can contact us via our email address, garagehammer at live.com. You can also find us on Twitter. David is at garagehammer and Alex, that's me, is at somekindageek30. Original music by Claire Seabrook. You can find more of her work at soundcloud.com slash Music. Finally, if you want to join the Garage Hammer community, as well as the AOS community worldwide, you can comment on our episodes in the show thread at the Grand Alliance Forums. That's tga.community. Or check out the Garage Hammer Facebook page. And as always, thanks for listening.